I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode number 79. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB, where we talk about all the things that we are watching on TV this week. We have got a great lineup of shows that we're about to be talking about on this podcast. But before we do that, a few things to get out of the way first. The first being that wherever you're listening to us, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, if you can please leave a rating and a review. Those ratings and reviews are so vital. It helps us get seen in the algorithm by more and more people. It gives us a lot of necessary feedback from you guys. Uh, and it's a great way to just reach out to us and tell us what you're loving, what you're not loving. Um, it's particularly, we really would love to hear from you guys the one, that listen to us and have been listening to us regularly over, you know, these, you know, 79 plus episodes. Um, what do you like about the show in terms of like format? Do you want to see shorter episodes? Do you want to see, you know, scheduling, uh, you know, change ups, whatever, what, how best do you like the, uh, consuming what we put out? And we really would love to hear that feedback. So if you can particularly leave that, uh, feedback in that rating and review, we would love to love to hear that. Um, you can also follow us on social media, uh, all at again, it's NB on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and threads. Uh, we're posting clips from the podcast. We're posting our instant thoughts about things that we're watching. Uh, and it's a great way to get an extra dose of again, it's NB. Like I mentioned, all a gay in his NB across social media platforms. You can also get merchandise from us over at againismb.threadless.com. Ten different designs that you can get on a variety of different items, including t-shirts and mugs and stickers and just about anything in between. It's a great way to represent us and support us over at againismb.threadless.com. Uh, and finally, if you have any questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast, uh, you can submit that to the social media platforms I mentioned or at a game is NB at gmail.com. Uh, just leave your name, leave your question, and it could be answered on a future episode of the podcast. Babe, what are we talking about this episode of a game is NB? Well, um, we have the funeral to end all funerals on the traders. <laughs> so good. Uh, I just know Phaedra was living this whole episode. Like the over the top dramatics was right up her alley. Well, and it was Phaedra's episode in more ways than one. Uh, in more ways than one, and we will talk about it. Um, we're also going to be talking about uh, married to medicine. Uh, Jackie's not doing herself any favors. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been a great episode four weeks ago <laughs> before. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> oh goodness but before we get to any of that let's talk drag race drag race for this week episode three uh the mother of all balls it was a big episode where we finally get the two uh groups of queens from the first two episodes coming together and we finally get some eliminations on our hand and we get right into the full swing of everything um this was a really fun episode I'm, i will go dive into every little detail but um, so the the second group of queens come back into the workroom. I I, also, I busted out laughing for some reason when uh, they sit down and Hershey tells Plain Jane, "Congrats, smut." <laughs> calling someone smut is like a new like. It's not even something that like you call somebody like smut is a descriptor for a novel or a film. Like it's not. A person. That's like it, not... it weirdly works with plain Jane, but you were also like, did she call her slut or what? Like smut. Like, are you calling her a novel? Are you calling her a book? 
I don't understand. Um, but as they're talking, so we get the big uh, roommail sound. Um, and so it's like, oh, God, what's happening? And then we see these, like, black and white shots of, like, the queen, the first group of queens sort of, like, doing, like, ooh, like, spooky. Like, who are we? Sort of. Which It was weird that Tafira did, had already done, like, the spooky thing with her entrance uh-huh. that it, like, played over into that. Um, that was interesting. And then they do, so they do the classic thing always where it's like, they do the standoff between the two sides and then they all, you know, break and hug and all Uh each other. It's never, ever going to be like, well, I won't say that once they actually got into the couch, it got very interesting in terms of like Mm -hmm. certain dynamics and fighting. Um, (laughs) some of the comments were really good. I love Dawn, uh, seeing Megami and she goes, I know Megami from Brooklyn. Her reputation is kind of the Eeyore of drag. (laughs) Wow. That also is, not wrong. <laughs> I mean, but like, yeah. It, so it, it's interesting to see like all the New York girls that know each other. And there is sort of a lot more. I didn't really. This was the first season where I didn't really watch any of the like, like, you know, like Entertainment Weekly does like interviews with the Queens mm-hmm. and like their backgrounds and stuff like that. So I didn't really like dive into a lot of those. But there we is, watched the Meet the Queens and then we started the show. <laughs> sure. It's like, I'll figure their names out eventually. But it's like, there is a lot of like intersecting stuff. I didn't know like the Plain Jane uh, morphine connection where right. they're technically drag sisters. Well, and you're not going to figure that out, right? Because they're not even both from Miami. <laughs> like, Right. That's what I was confused by. It's like one's from Boston, one's from, but they have the, I mean, it it, it could be, you know. I guess. You know, as Mia on Potomac would say, bi-coastal. <laughs> uh, I, I understand. For those that don't remember, it's the same coast. We know it's the same coast. Um, oh, my God. So Amanda, We're not that dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, Amanda Tory meeting introduces herself. Amanda looked fucking crazy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm at the point where it's like, as much as it is very harsh into which people are going at her for her makeup, I think it's deserved. It's not like... Well, and what's irritating to me is that she looked so good in her entrance look. Oh. And I was like, oh. Well, her makeup was really good She didn't look day. as bad. She did not look as bad. It's, it's, it was like something in like the last like. She definitely has changed the style of it. It's well, like way more graphic now well, in like a because week. she was given the the note of your eye is too small. You need to make <laughs> it. You need to make it broader. And so she did this episode, and it still looks weird. I think they wanted like I don't think that's what they meant. Like she's giving like even bigger than like Mistress Isabel Brooke eyes. Like and it's like. I just didn't understand the choice of that. And well, she probably is not used to it. Yeah. She, it's going to take her a while to fine tune. I will say they, cause they do, cause they were in like New York city for like the press, uh, junkets and stuff like that, that they do every year. She looks great now. Yeah. Like now that the season's airing, she looks great. But like here it was just like, what are we doing? Um, but plain Jane then says that her confessional, I think Amanda's drag looks hideous. <laughs> I'm sorry to the Drag Race audience for having to witness such a goblin. <laughs> wow. It's just, it's not even a joke. Like, it's just like. Yeah, it's just gutter. <laughs> this bitch is ugly. Um, well, I, I guess we can talk, because we're not going to get into Untucked. We're not doing Untucked weekly, like when we talk about like these shows, really. But this, I will say the Untucked for this episode was really fucking good. Yeah. And great. And plain Jane and Amanda get into it more. Like plain Jane, what what do you I want to know your thoughts of her, like just generally as like 
a television personality because I've seen sort of both sides of the argument from people that like some people think she's doing too much and it's kind of performative. Some people think like this is what this show is needed. Like she's too much and not enough at the same time. Which is to say she's too much in the overperforming, um, like trying to make a TV moment thing. Yeah. And underperforming in the drag. Sure. It's like, it. it's one of the things where it's just like, why is she the authority? Like, right. in the untucked fight, it's just like, I hope that you can impress me more with your makeup skills and, right, your, but and your look. Why do I have to? You're not a judge. Like, it would, I, I think we were saying when it happened, it was like, it would be one thing if, like, Safira said this. You know right. what I mean? Where but, it's like, I would want to impress Safira Cristal. Like, but also, Safira would never say it like this. Sure. She would pull you aside and go, baby. <laughs> You're not doing enough. Right. And that's okay. We'll get you there. Let's well, go over here to the side. I would maybe argue that Amanda's doing too much. That <laughs> is more the problem. <laughs> well, but yes, but plain Jane's only motivation, right, is to cause havoc and create a moment yeah. for TV. I agree. Whereas if Safira were to call somebody out for their makeup or for anything, it would be because she wanted to help them elevate themselves. Yeah. I lean towards the belief that it is coming off slightly put on. Like, it's a little bit like I w- I'm going to be this archetype, which is smart when, you know, we've had the trend on Drag Race where everyone wants to be nice and everyone wants to be like right. the fan favorite. But you have to actually be able to do that. Right. It has to come from a real place. And I don't right. know if it necessarily. She is. got hers from Walmart. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad someone's doing it at the very least, but I also, I mean, I will say morphine's doing it a little bit here and there, but I, like, but morphine's is genuine. Yeah. Morphine's just a bitch and that's fine. Right. Plain Jane is going, where are my moments to be a bitch? Right. Like I, it doesn't come off as authentic. It comes off as I'm trying to wreck the season. Sure. And it's harder, and it'll be interesting if they continue with this whole Raider Queen thing, how that's going to oh, like, play into factor. Not to mention also the immunity thing. I mean, I think Plain Jane is on the right season in certain regards because there's a lot of tools in her disposal in which to, you know, do things. So, like, sure. that, you know, that's a way to look at it. Um, but there is, I mean, there there also is other people delivering in terms of like the draw. I thought it was interesting where Sapphire is like, so I was the one that won the challenge the first week. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a singer. I'm an opera singer. Plasma makes a comment. I was like, well, we know what uh, key you're in, honey, because it's bass. And then Sapphire goes, um, actually I have a six rain octave, uh, um, six octave, six range. octave range. <laughs> and basically drags plasma right to her face and says her confessional is strawberry shortcake trying to come for me. Cause she did look like strawberry shortcake. It's true. Now, somebody, I don't remember who it was, but somebody was like, well, just because you have a six octave range does not mean that you're good. Um, Bitch, did you see the first episode? Yeah. Bitch is good. And so it's clearly like they're going to, I feel like they're definitely teasing the like, we're both singers, like feud between oh, them. Oh, please give me a rusical where they have to face off. Yeah. Essentially the adore Courtney right. thing from season six. Um, they walk into the workroom the next day and there are these two boxes on the table with Safira's name and plain Jane's name. And it reveals their immunity potions, which I love the potion thing. Like, right. It's just like, let's take this like trope from these reality shows, but like make it as gay as possible. <laughs> 
Right. It's really fun. Um, RuPaul walks into the workroom. Um, I love Ru's comment of, there's so many of you. It's like a Mormon family. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Coming for Salt Lake today. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Ru's kind of just like not giving a fuck anymore. I mean, we've said this for years yeah. now, but it's like more than anything. She just does not care in terms of what she says. Um, but Ru does confirm both. Well, introduces also, these are your immunity potions, but does confirm what we were hoping, which would be an interesting twitch, which is that they can be used once in like the in like the run of a show. I think she she said up until a certain point. Right. She said she they say, have an expiration date, but she does not give us that date. Right. And also they're transferable. Right. So they you don't can have play to, them on someone else. Which is a really fun added element to it. Which I think it's like uh, I like this way of it in terms of like yeah. you know, you get someone who comes off really strong in the first episode a chance to sort of protect themselves and, and go down the line, but you also add this added element. That could right. be cool. Yeah, I like it. I think it's fun. Um, they she then introduces the uh, challenge for the week, which is the mother of all balls. Uh, I mean, I like the I I don't know if we ever discussed. I, I like that they're doing the balls earlier in the season. I mean, the first main challenge. Like, there is something about like when it's just about the looks, like seeing that many looks. Like, and and I I am glad that they do it too. Um, it was very rushed when we were shoved into an hour episode, but now that we're back to the hour and a half format, oh yeah, this is great. Like we got time with each look. Like I didn't feel like we were getting rushed down the runway. It was great. I forgot how bad. Fuck friends of WeHo. Yeah, I was gonna say I forgot how bad those like first few, like half of the season was in terms of just like Awful. rushing. Awful. Yeah, it really is a shame. Um, but so the categories of the mother of all balls, uh, they start with Mother Goose, which is basically your favorite nursery rhyme uh, interpretation. Which is a loose interpretation of what these girls were doing. We'll get to it later. Some of these are like, what? We were like, what is this nursery rhyme? <laughs> like the, what nursery rhyme is this? When I've never heard comes of some out of these. in a latex um, maid outfit. Yeah. It's like, like, what is this? I'm sure it's like you found one that works, but it's like these aren't like common, like I, yeah. I, at least to me. Like, well, I think that they probably gave them the prompt of like fantasy or storybook fantasy or something. Probably. And like that can go a very many different ways because some people did stick to like your storybook, nursery rhyme sort of thing. But who boy, yeah. somebody, some people went with the fantasy aspect and did not pay attention to the rest. Sure. Um, then there was significant mother, which is, uh, well, so I thought when she read it in the workroom, it, I assumed it was going to be like television month, like famous TV personalities. Like you were like the mom from like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or like Aunt Viv or like, right. you know, like, um, you know, I love Lucy or something like some like, but no, it's just like any celebrity who's a mother. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm so surprised that Plasma didn't come out as Lucille Ball. Oh, yeah. That would have been better. That was, Anne Boleyn was a weird choice. Yeah. We'll anyway, get to, we'll get to we'll it. We'll get to all of them. And then the final one is the Call Me Mother slash Father Eleganza, where they have to, I thought was a good uh, 
sort of challenge. Take menswear and then make a feminine drag look right. out of it, which is a. I like that. You know, and it's at least you get some fabrics, and it's like you know, right. It's um, more what you do with it. Um, they all rush to grab their fabrics. Morphine, Morphine sees this blue suit to grab, but then forgets to grab the blazer, so she's just like has this like barely any fabric essentially. Um, yeah. I love the line that Safira gives Dawn when they're talking about their plans or whatever. Safira goes, I'm going to make a gown out of denim. And Dawn goes, that is such a groundbreaking idea. And I love Safira goes, you can be groundbreaking. I will be stunning. (laughs) (laughs) I like, she really carries herself. I gotta say like a winner. Like I would be shocked. Like she's my favorite right now in terms of actually winning. Yeah. She's giving, um, from, uh, when like in season six, you just know Bianca's gonna win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she it's giving that. It's very much giving that energy. Right. Um, Mirage is struggling a lot. She has this like really like dark green like sweater that she's like make, trying to make into a mini dress. Yeah. But it's just like not working. Um, and and not coming together. Plasma says it looks like what Robin Williams comes in when he pops up back up in Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> kind of accurate. It's like that was like the plasma can find like a reference in like the fourth or fifth part of your brain and like pull mm-hmm. it out. It's not the immediate one. Um, Rue does the walkthroughs in the workroom with everyone. We see a little bit of like feuding between like Maya, Iman LePage, and Morphine from like their Miami scenes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Being like, I know of her. Like they both make that joke with each other. So it seems like there is a bit of a local feud brewing between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And that should be interesting, I think, when we get to like, you know, because I, I love me some Miami drag. I don't know if Morphine can do the stuff that my, Maya does, but, you know. You know, it it seems like they are very different um, lanes, so it makes sense that they wouldn't have crossed a lot of paths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like Maya does a lot more brunches, and then, like, from what I've seen, like, I always see her videos are brunches, she's outside, you know, on a patio cafe somewhere, like pound yeah. a pussy on the concrete, like work, bitch. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Q at one point is talking with Rue and the topic about her grandmother comes up um, in regards to like, the, I, I forgot even how it came up, but just sort of like the discussion of like, does your family know you drag and stuff like that? I actually got to commend Rue because I was worried about how the, I mean, it's still a little like, it's hard with these shows where it's like, oh, God, we're just, like, exploiting tears at this, like, like childhood trauma and, like, you know, all that at this point. I like that Rue wasn't like, well, you got to make it work with your family. Because I feel like that's what Rue has been doing for, like, five or six years. I like that she was just basically like, I mean, there's some people that just, like, get their judgment clouded to where they can't see that their children are, you know are you know human beings instead of that like isn't that crazy and it's like yeah that's the that should be the message right it doesn't have to be like you know right like it's everything needs to be perfect you know and i appreciated q like you know getting that moment to sort of hear that and not sort of get exploited too much in that regard nymphia has all these time and so she has all these ties, and I was thinking that she was. She said something about she was going to make fabric out of it, like she was doing some kind of like textile thing. I'm glad that she didn't at the end of the day, right? Because when she said it, also I was like, "That's going to take fucking forever." Like you need, you're not going to like. Well, I mean, you have all this fabric, and you're going to make your own fabric, right? I mean, I think, I think she realized what was happening with um, who was it that did the sock thing? Oh, Hershey. 
I think she realized what that what Hershey was doing with the socks is what hers was going to look like with the ties, and she was like, "Let me go a different direction." Maybe, yeah. Well, and also they were playing it up in terms of like, like. I don't know if you noticed it, like, but throughout the process, like, she would be making jokes with other people. She would have these, like, funny conversations. And it felt like they were emphasizing, like, in the back of your head, sort of, like, she's spending too much, she's wasting too much time and not focusing on the outfit, and so that's going to bite her in the ass. And clearly that wasn't the case. Well, right. And she was, like, running around and talking to people and, like, trying to get some tea over here, some drama over there, Morphine's teaching her Spanish. Right. Which was hilarious. Um... But she, the confessional's like, I'm a seamstress. I know how much time I need. Sure. <laughs> she, she's like, I'm a fucking professional. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah. RuPaul. Oh, my God. She, another one of the groups come up for the RuPaul thing. And she just goes, Amanda, you look prettier without that makeup. And the way, like, Amanda just screwed. <laughs> it was so rude, actually. Well, but it, it, I get what she was saying, though. She's like. You have an attractive face. Use the landmarks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because Amanda's painting on something completely different. It's like, it's almost like she did. No, I don't think she did this, but it's almost like she got her face the way she wanted it makeup wise. And then got drastic plastic surgery. Yeah. And was still painting the old face on the new face. And it's like, that don't work. Right, right, that don't right, work, right. honey. No, you've, that's got, a... you've got new topography. You've got to change the way you do your makeup. That is a great way to put that, actually. And now, like, that really is what it is. Right? Like, I mean, I don't think she had, like, a bunch of plastic surgery because she doesn't look like she's had a bunch of plastic surgery. And that's not a read. She just doesn't look plumped and tugged and all of those things. Yeah. You know? And so, okay, so Rue, before she leaves, gives them also the rundown of how Raida Queen's going to be different this week. And I feel like it's going to be this way. It seems, she didn't explicitly say, but it's like going to be this way going forward, which I think is a better way to go about it, which is that they're going to rate the queens first before critiques. And then that will determine the top three and the bottom three. And then we'll critique them and then... You know, and then the judges still make the decision of who's in the bottom and who wins the wins the competition. I think that that kind of makes sense, especially because in the first two weeks they only had seven, right. so it makes sense to have them all on the stage. And you can't. I think it's also hard. I think it's a. I think it breaks the whole competition more when you have the Raider Queen determining the winner, and you're not going to do a, a lip sync for the win every week right. plus an elimination. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just, to me, I kind of feel like it's hard in the middle of while you're trying to do your own thing Mm -hmm. and trying to walk the runway yourself and you're trying to do all of those things to also judge everyone else. This challenge particularly, I I did have that. I'm like, did they get all of the, did they have like, how are you? And also it's not just like I'm picking the top three and bottom three just from like my, like I have to rank everybody. Right. You have to rank all 13 other Queens. You have to keep in mind 39 other looks. (laughs) It's crazy. Like 42 looks went down that runway. You have to keep 39 of them front and present in your mind yeah unless there was some like you know yeah unless they had like a, i would need like literally a book <laughs> just, right. just be like okay so like well and we know that like the the like the set's not completely walled off right like we right. know that the 
the walkways around the main stage set are pretty much open, right? right? Like you can step in and watch. Now, if they were to have, they probably all, have a monitor. In the if back they were to have all the queens lined up, kind of off screen towards the end of the runway, so you can really see how someone's selling it. Yeah, because that's part of the challenge, right? It's not just wearing a look. It's it's your walk. It's your presentation. It's your attitude on the runway. It's it's really an acting challenge. Yeah. Every look that goes down the runway has more than just the garment. It's how you wear it and present it and sell it and the story you're telling with your body and with your expressions. And like, there's so much more to it than just putting on clothes. Yeah. And so I think that unless you're seeing that full presentation, you can't accurately judge the look. Yeah. I had major questions about that in terms of like, like I want to know how that works. Like also, I would love to know that. All right. Geneva's up first. Um, Geneva go to the back, everyone else to the front of the stage. And then, you know, they get to see Geneva walk right. and then they just pull somebody back and they, you know, yeah, I don't know. Um, Rue then also has a, a manila folder in her hand to basically say like, well, in this dossier also is the results of the Raider Queen for the last two episodes, Bitch. which is a great twist. And literally playing James like, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> she was gooped. <laughs> the way she was so relieved because it's only the ranking. It's not right. like what anyone voted or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I think they should have. I think they should have put everybody's individual rankings in there. Yeah. Girl. You know what I found so interesting? So, like, well, um, um, Megami takes it a little hard that she was ranked seventh for her week. She was in the bottom. Amanda takes it okay. Like, yeah, probably. Like, the people uh, who were most I'm offended. I'm sorry, Megami. You wore, you <laughs> yeah. wore a, a cute little bolero suit, skirt suit thing from Macy's and held up some signs. She said something about like, I thought I did something unique or like so she said something to that effect. And I was like, what? And then you also didn't do a reveal. Like your angel look was sickening, but it did not fit the challenge. So you lose. Yes. Yeah, Good day, sir. Good did, day, sir. It's from uh, uh, Charlie's Charlie Chocolate Factory. Factory. Uh, <laughs> but like so uh, well i th well, what i was gonna say is i thought it was interesting um morphine and maya are the most offended because they were each ranked fifth <laughs> it's like they weren't even the seventh look i could handle being good i could handle being bad but when you tell me i'm mediocre right that is a problem <laughs> it was crazy to me um, but it was funny. Um, Megami uh, makes a joke of, I mean, we could put Plain and Safira in the bottom this week, like trying to organize like everyone. <laughs> and Plain goes, do you want my immunity or not? Like That's a great <laughs> way not to get it. Um, yeah. So uh, they're still getting ready for the uh, the next uh, day uh, to get ready to go on the runway. Um, Morphine talks about Maya. I love more. So Maya has basically like this tube top for her mm -hmm. like look and she doesn't sew really. So like that's the other big thing i love morphine saying the tube is not tubing it's not a cylinder it's square bitch <laughs> look for someone who doesn't sew that look ended up being pretty damn good we'll get to it i didn't think it was that bad i didn't either yeah mirage so mirage like switches it up and and so she's not doing a mini dress anymore she's basically doing like a top and a skirt, which I think was a better option. Yes. But she literally says, herself, oh, we're lip syncing this week, bitch. <laughs> she says that to herself. Morphine says it looks like seaweed wrapped around a breadstick. 
And not like a real breadstick. Like one of those, you know. You, okay, so like you and I think of a breadstick as like Olive Garden, like the fluffy, like small loaf of bread, right? Yeah. Most of the world thinks of a breadstick as like those basically like pretzel sticks, like but it's bread. Ones, it's yeah. crunchy and it's like. She was one of those. <laughs> right. I, but that's a, like, I love, this is why I love morphine. I actually think morphine's doing a better job yes. than plain Jane. And because it's like, you're actually creative in terms yes. of your reads. Um, Hershey redid her entire look the night before because it was like a mess, basically. Which was a good call, but uh, also you st- still went in a bad direction. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to it. Um, I love plain Jane is like, you know, getting into Geneva's head while they're doing the makeup. And he goes, do you feel confident when you use more stretch fabric than the non-conventional materials? Which I will say, I actually agreed with plain Jane when we saw her look, Geneva's look at the end. But like, yeah, I thought you've got a whole suit. Like where did any of the pants come in? Yeah. Like, you could have used more of the the back of the f- suit fabric to like i don't know make a longer skirt like there were options that you just didn't take yeah i was irritated by we get a little bit of Hershey talking about sort of like the family, her family, you know, coming around with her in terms of drag and sort of how it was a process and stuff like that. Which now in retrospect, now when you watch those things back, you're like, oh well, that tells me what was going to happen <laughs> later. It's like yeah. once you get the sob story, um, it becomes a problem. But like, it was nice. See, I didn't mention it last week when we were talking about um, uh, the episode. Um, credit to so Hershey talked in the first episode or her first episode about also being a dad and like sort of having the, the her and her husband also adopted two, um, two child children, which is I thought it was good to see. Like that. What are you laughing? <laughs> you said adopted two childs. <laughs> yeah, words are fun. What uh, child? Two childs. Yeah, but like it was it. it it's good to see that I don't think we've ever seen that story on Drag Race, and for some, like for some, you know, Drag Race has kind of exhausted a lot of queer stories. And we I, have. Uh, who was it? Oh, that, oh, 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 um, um, oh, season seven, first eliminated. What was her name? Tempest du Jour. Yeah, Tempest du Jour uh, uh-huh. talked about that. Um, but it's 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 not as common, which yeah. I think is you know really important. Um, and I think it was also, I mean, I think you could argue it's a very vital thing in sort of like, um. Helping the helping society in terms of like getting around on terms of gay people and queer people of like seeing them mm-hmm. as parents and seeing why that's such a sticking point to certain people even nowadays is crazy to me. Like, yeah, yeah, it's twenty twenty four, guys. Mm. <laughs> get with the times. Yeah, uh, and I mentioned before, morphine was like teaching Nymphia Spanish and having Nymphia go like between the people that like tell them tell in Spanish. Wild. Look, she teaches her dame mas leche. <laughs> 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 and you know if you know um okay so let's go to the runway um before we get into any of the looks i gotta say i hated rupaul's look on this runway it was so bad when, when oh, she did, what was her it was the tie it's tied it looked like like if, uh, if a regular queen wore this they would have read her i'm sorry it was like tie it's like tie-dye with like neon fishnets like neon tie-dye the hair was like it's like she was like in when Harry not when wasn't isn't when Harry met Sally with the whole like jizz hair the like, no that's there's something about there's Mary. something about Mary that's what I'm thinking of where it's just like we like weird but like frozen like yeah it was just like it, it did not flatter her whatsoever it was utterly terrible 
Um, yeah, it was really bad. Okay, so let's go into the mother of all balls. Um, we're just going to go queen by queen, basically, and talk about the three of their looks instead of each category. Um, first, we had Geneva Carr. Um, yeah, <sighs> not my favorite. I didn't think any of her looks were bad. I don't think she should have been at the bottom, but I don't think that all of them were good. In fact, I don't think any of them were good. I think she's middle of the road. I think it was not bad but not good enough to be safe if like yeah yeah that, that's what i mean like the the little bo uh, no it wasn't little bo peep it was little no, miss muffet yeah like i thought this was fine except for the skirt was a little low i would have liked it higher and like, the slit was like placed weird it was like yeah that was a little odd to the um, side but honestly i like mostly i'm fine with that look um the uh mother which one is that uh, one the uh, the, fam- the famous mother right? yeah with um, salma hayek which didn't- i didn't get salma hayek from it but i still thought the look was cute but it, that, like that was also my problem with this category which was just like of all people you're just gonna pick salma hayek yeah like, i just like they're uh, like some other like option like yeah it would have been I better mean, but i still thought the look was cute yeah. and i thought the hair didn't match at all like mm-hmm. if you're gonna try to like that that's not no. the hair that she has in that picture uh and then her look that she made was it, fine it still looked fine yeah it just well, wasn't cre- at least from the front it just wasn't creative at all it had no sort of like real point of view and like I it did and I it did really th- look like she ran out of fabric like that was like when yeah. she had that blue slit in the back of the skirt yeah like, that's what I don't get like it you, felt like you ran out of the the suit fabric but she didn't use any of the back of the coat so that's what I don't understand yeah she had clearly like the biggest amounts of fabric you can get from a blazer she didn't use any of that right and that's what I don't understand about the the third look. Um, then we have Dawn. Uh, I loved her first two looks. I loved the... Um, I loved all of these looks. I loved all of them. I, I, like the, So the cow look was really fun. A good, you know, f- uh, fun take. I loved the little, like, like the touch of, like, the tag in the ear and sort of all that mm-hmm. stuff. I thought her uh, Audrey Hepburn look was really fucking smart to do. Yeah. Because you would not expect Dawn to do that look. Well, and I really love that she was able to do Audrey Hepburn, and it was still clearly looked like Audrey Hepburn in the makeup. Yeah, weirdly. But it was also clearly still dawn's makeup it, that was so strange that it was able to sort of like fill those two worlds like yeah. it was just really smartly done and it shows that she really is like a talented makeup artist yeah her third look i liked i will i like the jacket and I like the thought process behind a lot of it. I think it didn't. I think it swallowed her up a little bit. I think that like she is so petite and tiny that like something like that big of a statement piece, like a jacket, I think doesn't really work on her. I thought the issue was more in in the um the color blocking. I needed a bright color on her torso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we had gotten some of that orange up on the torso or some other bright color there, instead of that dark brown that just kind of swallows. Yeah, I agree. I I think it would have been good, actually. I I also agree with, um, uh, who who was it? Raja on... uh, Yeah, it must have been. It's probably Raja. Was talking about the, the weird silver stuff in her hair. Oh yeah, yeah, and I didn't like the earring. Like the earring was. I a thought little... the earring was fine. 
Yeah, I think it, she definitely has this. I mean, she has that elf quality to sort of like her drag normally, right. and so that very whimsical, very. Um, it worked with the color palette, but I don't know if it necessarily worked with like the silhouette. Yeah, yeah, but that. But I think if she, if other people, if it wasn't as solid of a group of people, you know, towards the top, she could have been in the top, you know, in a, in yeah. a different season. Um, Hershey Lacordette was next. I loved her first look. I thought the B look was great. The second look was Mother Nature, which this odd. is this is really bad. And also the fact that her like it washes her face out so much, having that like matching blue hair. With like the blue lights, it like look it like you lose all of her face. Like yeah, um, well, I think that that also has to do with the fact that she's just not highlighting heavily enough no. in her makeup. Um, but the problem I have with this second look is it looks like the look that she made. Yeah, it's very chintzy, and, but like you brought it from home. Yeah, and doesn't fit the best, especially when you have such a knockout look in the first round with this B look. And then you come out in this. It's like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. And then her final look. Which was literally an outfit from Coles. Funny enough character, but like the character wasn't enough to save it. And then it was all, I literally, I don't know about you, but when she came out with it, I was like, please tell me she made those pants. Please tell me she made those pants. And then when they got to the critiques and she said that she didn't, I was like, yeah, you need to be in the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. You cannot walk out in a garment. In a a pre, like pre made garment and a a challenge where you're supposed to be making shit, yeah. you can't do that. That will get you sent home. Yeah, she deserved to be in the bottom too. I, yeah. I feel Mirage was next. I liked all three of these looks. I, liked, I did too. I liked her like slutty like um, what is it supposed to be a goat? Like I <laughs> again, I forget these fucking like yeah. nursery rhymes that these are based off of. But I like it's like goat but slutty, like you know. Yeah. Um, and then her La Llorona look was fun. Like mm-hmm. I really loved that one. See, I think Mirage overdoes the highlight around her eyes. I think it's too bright. Oh, really? I think it needs to be toned down just a smidge. And actually, uh. Yeah, no, it's still too much in the third look, but it is toned down in the third look. Yeah, but the third look was great for someone who was struggling a lot. Well, like, especially because in in the makeup, like, she gave herself a black eye. And it was really, like, well done, actually. It, it's really well done. Like, girl, that's like special effects makeup. Yeah. That's convincing. Yeah, it was really cute. And I think I love she plays into just the sexy vibes and, like, yeah. can, you know, really sell that. In well, ways. she's from Vegas. Yeah. Um, then Megami's did not love the little Bo Peep. I thought the first two looks that you're supposed to bring from home were both booger. Oh, I, I actually liked the Gaga look. I didn't, I didn't get Gaga from that at all. How did you not get Gaga? Because it doesn't, it, I didn't get Gaga. I got like a wonton. (laughs) Oh no. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like Gaga's is more like drapey like there's more structure up top but it's kind of drapey on the bottom whereas hers looks like a paper boat that's kind of wet yeah she hit the notes that i remember of that look like in the music video with beyonce Mm -hmm. and like i i i i I still think it was well enough executed i liked her third look a lot i actually thought it was i I really liked the third look yeah Uh, mm, i liked it when i initially saw it 
looking back at it, I do not like the trumpet at the bottom. Sure, you could have made me cut that off. But, like, I think I this, I thought, embodied her dra- I think she also did a good job of not just making a look that looks good, but that embodied her drag. This sort of, like, not, I don't want to say butch, but this more sort of, like, you know. Rosie, Rosie the Riveter type of. Yeah, like, new agey, like, kind of, like, I like, like, pairing it with, like, that the rainbow patch. Like, I right. thought that was a better way to. It's it, kind of lesbian drag. Yeah, very. Like, that sort of vibe. And, like, yeah. I thought. I always get the sense of that from, like, her in the last episode. But, like, this, I got it more. Yeah. Like, sort of refined. In yeah. But that first look. Didn't love it. That was awful. Like, the makeup is awful. The look is awful. What? I don't. I, I hate this. Yeah. How You brought that from home. There is no excuse in the ball for your coming from home looks to be trash. Well, also, like it, if it, if this came from home, I could see it being good. It, it, I could see it being like good, and then it got like mangled in like the suitcases or whatever. But we'll get to Safira's later. That's no excuse because I want to know how Safira got her shit in the fucking bags. Right. We'll we'll get to it. Um, then we had a mandatory meeting. I hated all of these looks and thought she should have been in the bottom. I am. I I thought she like. By the grace of God, avoided being in the bottom. Um, I thought the first one was... Hideous. <laughs> I thought it was... Needed to be a little longer, but other than that, was fine. The, it was one of the things... No, I don't even mind the... I don't even mind the, the length. I think it's just like... It's... The makeup is crazy in that look. It is batshit fucking crazy. And I don't know if it's intentional. Well, like, I like think it's she's... one of those things where it's like, are you being one of those like really creepy, like heavily painted, like old antique dolls? I think that was the point on that one. But and... I wasn't sure, and right. that made me crazy. Right. The the issue that I yeah, the this is the other issue I have with the with the category because the name of this look is Little Pussy. Sure, and she's got the bow of cats, but what what um, nursery rhyme is this? Yeah, it's some. It's yeah. I did not love it. Um, the second look is, is you liked more than I did. I liked the reveal, and I liked that it was paying homage to Michelle Visage in a way that we've not really seen before. In that it does that reveal in from old look Michelle that was heavily reliant on the titties and the cleavage and all of that to her new look with the gray and the. The flatter chest, not that Michelle is flat, but like she got her uh, implants removed. Right. Um, so, I mean, I I liked that. I liked the idea behind it. And I thought the look wasn't bad. If I was Michelle, I would be insulted. <laughs> the makeup was bad. So bad. Really, really but bad. But the rest of the look I thought was fine. And then her final look. I just was so confused about the choices that she was making. I thought the construction was great. It's a it's a tube skirt and like a top and a and a jacket. Great, like it's it, like for for if for a sewing challenge, it's enough to get by in terms of silhouette. The fabric choice was bonkers, crazy, and it's like you take this blah gray fabric and make it the focal point and then accent it with these weird pieces, just like weirdly placed, that like use a. A a single fabric. Yeah. Like, if you're going to accent it with something, use a single fabric. Because what you end up doing is making it look like, like the 50s idea of 
like going to Hawaii on vacation threw up on your suit. Right. And now you're a homeless person in Hawaii. But again, also like weirdly butch lesbian. Right. Like in the hairstyling and like the way that it's like, it's weird. And also if you, if you look at her face, her eye makeup goes so far back. It goes beyond the wig line. It's so crazy. (laughs) Do you see that? Yeah. It's in the wig line, like beyond the wig line. I'm, uh, and then she's got like this wild piece of hair sticking off to the left. I just, I can't. It's so crazy. It's, 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 yeah. She probably should have been at the bottom. Yeah. Mor- uh, Morphine Love Dion was next. She did uh, Chris Jenner. Liked it. You know, it, it, it Morphine did her. It like did her like really sexy sort of vibe. Not, maybe not the most creative, but like sexy and really like well polished. But again, her mother goose is this latex like. Yeah. What is what is this latex uh, uh, French maid thing? Yeah, it's fun, but it's like I don't. What nursery rhyme does that come from? And why are you reading it to children? Sure, <laughs> this is why drag queens can't be in front of kids. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I just realized the fucked upness. I mean, or the sort of like fuck you statement of this of doing like nursery rhymes in like the world of like drag queen story hour and right and the stuff like that. I ju- I just caught that. Yeah. Um, and I like, I actually thought her, her, the look she made was good. I the, the denim. Except for the hat. The hat's not the best, but like, I would just get rid of the hat. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but what is the like strap around her butt that like oh, turns that, into a weird thin str- like train yeah, in the she back? Didn't, she didn't need that. And it also looked like it was like, like clamped. Like it wasn't even like right. sewn on. Right. The bottom of the corset is just like, it literally looks like if you zoom in, it looks like someone used like, um, hair clips to yeah. clip it together. It's weird. Strange. Um, Maya Iman LePage is next. Now I actually, th- I don't think Maya should have been in the bottom. I actually think she, I, I agree. I think she should have been safe. The yellow look looked great on her skin and was gorgeous. I get the feathers were too high, right? But I actually thought she played into it. I think she knew they were too. I like when she leaned over to the judges and sort of like, "Ooh, here I am! Like, here's my face." I thought she, but I also thought that she could have easily just taken some scissors to the top of that and like trimmed and like shaped that into like a a um, sweetheart neckline instead. Yeah. And then that would have been great because you get room here. You get. T- tall shape on the sides and everything it would have been good yeah um her uh second look is little kim which i think read more as missy elliott sure now i i think the mistake was not going uh, to me i would have gone with the like when i think of a little kim look i think of the purple with the titty out right that's exactly what i think of i would have but, much- but also so much of this is just in the vicinity of her look like if you like the picture we have in front of us has the look that she's referencing side by side with what she's doing. Yeah. Like why are you wearing a full ankle length fur thing when she's wearing clearly like a sleeves only kind of look? Yeah. Cut that. Cut that up. Like, give us the full body out. And the hair has a little more like texture in the original. Right. Look. This, got... Hers is a shake and go. Yeah. It, yeah. And she didn't even shake it. <laughs> she just went. <laughs> she just went. 
Um, and her last look, I thought was good, like safe for for a design challenge. Like it's yeah, a, it, yeah, it's a tube skirt and a tube top, but it's it's. But she also created that that jacket thing, and she made it with the multiple patterns with the patchwork kind of. It's look. styled nicely. Like I I did get the Vivian Westwood kind of punk kind of aesthetic there. I got what she was going for. Yeah. Um, Q is next, and this was phenomenal. Across oh the, my god! And it just—I mean, just again—the added part that she made all these, <laughs> like, like right. She made that giant fucking moon thing. Yeah, crazy. And Holy the, fuck! And the fucking Judy Garland dress. That oh was, yeah, that was so ac- like pinpoint accurate to the original. Right, like she did just enough to it to move it from glamour into full drag yeah she glitterized it and 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 added some like sparkle and stuff like that that wasn't in the original but like it's basically the dress right it's just you did just enough to make it to where you weren't just cosplaying julie garland and you were instead you know um giving us a drag look but it also was so close to the original that there's no denying that this is what it is yeah it's fucking gorgeous it's beautifully made like I, Q is gonna be one of the ones to beat. Absolutely, and her maid look was very good. Like the the one oh, that yeah. she made was, you know, and, and a little like sort of like she always has this. Kind, she definitely has this sort of like theatery aesthetic. She can, she said in the first season, first episode, it was more fat. Her stuff is more fashion, and I get that, but it's it's kind of fashion mixed with theater in a way that's like I don't think I've seen done before from right. like a lot of theater queens. Um, on the show, um, then we had Nymphia Wind, who uh, I mean, Bitch. crazy across the board. Like, I I ended up really liking. I was kind of like, do I love this first look? But I do end. Up, I loved it because I think it it was the perfect line of not being too costumey. It was right. almost like something out of a out of a uh, theater production, but it still had enough fashion elements. Right. Well, for me, it when someone says costume, I think a when someone says it's too costumey, in my brain, that means something you can pick up at Spirit Halloween. Sure. It means a costume in a bag. This, to me, looks like, like you were saying, a professional costume. Like something you would see on a stage production, something you would see in a movie. To me, that doesn't read as costume. That reads as just like... I mean, it's still costume, but that's not what I, that's not yeah, the yeah, label yeah. I put it under, you know? Right, exactly. Um, her Angelina Jolie look, I like, I didn't really get Angelina Jolie necessarily. And it, now looking back at it, it didn't fit right. It, there it, was some, and like around the waist and stuff like that, there was, it yeah. Could have been well, I mean, just when she's walking down the runway, you can see it like coming apart, like under her arms. Mm-hmm. Like it's like moving to where it doesn't, it clearly doesn't fit her. Yeah. So it's like you bought a wedding dress off the rack at like a sale or something and then painted the things on the back and that's all you did to this. Sure. It's still very pretty. It's like- still very pretty. It's just like knowing how good Nymphia is, it was a little bit of a disappointment. Sure. But then she redeemed herself with this final look. Holy which, fuck. Which I think won her the episode. Like, like it was one of those things. It's like, we have to give her the win, even though we have like a little critique of the Angelina Jolie. Like, right. And I agree with the girls in Untucked. This is probably one of the top five looks ever to go down, down the runway. It's, Utterly fantastic. Yeah. This like, and to take something like, I, I like Isaac Mizrahi's the guest judge, by the way. And I love how he took like the critique of like taking something that is like 
sort of muted, like de- like these like brown tones and like stuff like that. But like add like using the ties as these kind of like weird accents that like you know. And I and I thought it was like again not deciding to go with like making fabric route, but like just using them. And I get I guess putting some sort of wire to make you know, right. these like art pieces kind of like right. to accent these looks. Like, well, what I thought was really interesting was how she was able, because if you look at those ties, they're not neutral. No. yeah, They're yeah. like bright colors, but somehow she was able to make them read as a neutral. Yeah. And the only thing that stands out about them is the texture. I don't get that there's bright blues and bright, you know, reds and golds and all of those things in those ties i don't see that they just read as neutral the only thing that pops is the boots yeah and she knows and also she really has a styling eye yeah and you can see that in this look the hair choice was the perfect hair choice i think yeah. for this and the choice of those those knee or those thigh high yellow boots was stunning. so smart stunning it was everything you wanted it, you know look like this and i think like i said gave her the win for sure. Um, then we had Safira Cristal, who I, again, I thought like definitely deserved to be in the top, like killed it across the board. Bitch, the- that pumpkin. <laughs> How did she get the pumpkin to fucking Los Angeles? Um, from what I, from what I have heard, it's, uh, it is one of those inflatable. Like you, she had to pump it at the, it, it, well, it's, it's not that you pump it. It's that it has two fans. In oh, it. wow. It's like one of those inflatable, like dinosaur costumes. Yeah. It's got a fan that's keeping it full of air. Yeah. That, I mean, it was just really stunning. And also, the not just the, the coolness of the pumpkin, but the, how it carried upwards was great. Oh, yeah. The Eve look I loved. Her body is amazing. Stunning. Like, and, and, and like, she knows how to just fit to that body in a way that's mm-hmm. just really great. And you see in the, the final look as well. Like, it's just the silhouette that she has is just phenomenal. Like yeah, everything about it is perfect, um, and I like the and the, like I said with the final look, the little Bob the I'll kind of Bob the Builder vibe. Yeah, like pairing that yellow plaid with the denim was really smart. Yeah, and the red hair, gorgeous, really great overall. Um, Plain Jane is next. Uh, her first look that's sort of like cat, sort of like rich, like nineteen twenties ish. It was very Jaja Gabor to me. Yeah. Um, uh, was I meaning Jaja Gabor? Probably, um, I could see that. Oh, really? No, what I'm thinking is um, um, it's kind of Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, like in the um, – well, she didn't play Catwoman in the movie. Who was it that played – whoever played Catwoman in the movie that did like the – where you see Catwoman when she's in her civilian look mm-hmm. and Batman doesn't know that that's who it is. You know, where she's going back and forth. It's like, I'm the Russian, you know – the spy type of thing. Right. Um, that's what it was giving me, which is a nice nod considering the fact that she presents herself as a Russian, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. This is, that's the vibe I thought I was going to get from Plain Jane's aesthetic, like when she first came in. Right. So, like, Great. Wonderful. Yeah. This Octomom look was trash. I, it was it was more about the gag of the comedy than it being a look. It, you don't go for comedy in a ball. Sure. That's not... You can, but it's you're not going to win that. But way. you still need a look. Yeah, this, like this is a this is a hospital just, gown and some baby dolls sewn together. Yeah, uh, and then her third and look that she made, and I, when she walked out, I was like, "Oh, Willem's back." <laughs> <laughs> she looks just like Willem. She does look like Willem in this look. It's very um, Dolly Parton. Yeah, 
but slutty or I mean Dolly Parton already in the eighties was still pretty slutty. But like this this is I really love this look and a lot of people hate it actually. I, there's problems like there's some problem I have with the skirt a little bit. A little bit. I think the the I think the shape of the thong is weird because oh, yeah, it's the, that weird drag thong that's like just weird thin. It's like nobody wears that. No women. You can't get pussy lips in that. What are you doing? No. So like no woman's going to wear that. So why are you trying to pass that off as something like if you're giving us realness, like don't give us something that a real woman would never wear. Right. Um, Tsunami Muse Muse is next. And this was a big redemption episode I fought for Tsunami. I would have almost loved to see her in the top. I understand why. I think her third look is a little underwhelming. Yeah. But that fucking egg look is so fucking... I, this, it, it, was, it rivaled, I think... Nymph, I think Nymphius is still the best of the night. But, like, Tsunami's egg look was, like, right there for me. It gave me so much joy. Yeah, the little hand sticking out the front was gag-worthy. Yeah. And then, like... And she popped out of the shell and bitch. Well, I also think to make such a, like a costumey look of like the egg, but then still make it like be, she's in a dress, right? Yeah. Like she's in like, it's like she took the thought process in that regard. And the egg look is also really kind of fashion in many ways. Honestly, she didn't even need the reveal. Yeah. Because the egg look in and of itself was gorgeous. Yeah. And I also really loved her tribute to Candy. Yeah. Like, I, and, and it almost looked better than the original Candy look, like in certain yeah. ways. She, she really. Is slightly different. She really does remind me a lot. I know I've said this before, but she reminds me a lot of Naomi Smalls. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like her thought process behind her looks and like the way that she carries herself is very Naomi. Yeah. We definitely got a better sense of her this episode. Yes, very much so. I think that Naomi would have put together a look similar to that last look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, that's it's kind of in that same vein. Yeah. And then we uh, ended with plasma. Um and then not, I would say this is probably like bottom safe. Again, I would have put Amanda in the bottom and like, but this, it wasn't the best executed. The Tweedledee Tweedledum was a f- fun idea, but this, it took me like, it took me like a good like 20 seconds. To I still out. don't really see it. You Like get, I, I get where she's, I, if you explain to me this piece is that piece and that thing is the other thing fine like i get that but it still doesn't look like what she wants it to look like right and that's what i'm saying like if i'm looking at it i don't see tweedledee riding on top of tweedledum and that hair is way too small i get that it's like the vibe you're going for and you're putting in a hat but like yeah and then Anne boleyn was a weird choice to me yeah it's like why are you not your your wheelhouse like you literally walked in for your walk-in look in this 50s housewife look, why would you not stay in that vein? Why not go along the the vein of these famous television mothers from sitcoms in the 50s to 70s? Right. Pick like a like the mom from Leave It to Beaver or Lucille Ball or um, you know um, what's her uh, Carol Brady or you know somebody in that vein. Yeah. You know, in that swath of of television that is really in your aesthetic anyway. Give us that. That's what we wanted from you. And then you went fucking Anne Boleyn. Yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, and then like her final look too, just, it was a nice enough idea, but just not well fitted. And like, yeah, I liked the idea. I liked where she was going with it and I could see that. So for me, I'm like, 
I tend to rate it better if the execution is not quite there, but I see that you really worked towards it and you really tried. The people that I don't understand is when you don't care or I don't see the vision or I don't see any, like, I'm like, what did you do? You know, that's the reason I can be kind of um, forgiving towards Geneva's look because I understand where she was going. You know what I mean? So like I Amanda's yeah. look. I see where she was going. I get the vision. I don't think you did it well. I think you made some choices in here that were that kind of ruined the look. But I get it. I see where you're going. You need fine tuning. You're not bad. Yeah. Some people are bad in these looks. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, they do the Raid of Queen uh, segment, and then they come back onto the workroom. Rue then asks Safira and... Uh, plain Jane, whether they would like to use their immunity potions, they both decline. Um, and then the top three is Nymphia, Q, and Safira, and the bottom three is Geneva, Hershey, and Maya, Iman LePage. Um, so they're going through with the critiques. Carson tells uh, Geneva about her Salma Hayek. I wasn't getting Salma Hayek. I was getting fancy ladies shopping for clothes in Staten Island. Which, like, work honestly sure. but, but I, honestly i still don't see staten island i see jersey yeah that look is very jersey especially with the hair so jersey oh my god and so when they get also they get to maya's critiques my and they're like so i think rue asked like how does this look, last look sort of embody your drag and she goes you know it's me you know it's very loud vibrant and rue goes you don't seem to be very loud to me. I mean, you kind of give kind of a timid vibe. And then and she's just like, no. no. <laughs> I was like, wow. I thought she was going to be in the bottom. I genuinely thought her just like being like, no, to RuPaul was like going to get her in the bottom. It was, it was verging on a pearl moment. It really was. Uh... It was fun though. Um, so, uh, they come back after the critiques or whatever. Nymphia wins, which again, I think, I think if we're talking overall execution, I would have maybe given it to Q, Q, but Safira, they're very close. And I think that while we had the critiques of the Angelina Jolie look, the, the final look by Nymphia, like it was like you won with that look alone. And I think they probably weight those looks a little bit more. I think they should be. I think that you know, your look that you make there should be worth like 50% of the ball. Yeah. And then the first two looks are like a quarter each. Right. Um, (laughs) I, I, I laughed so hard at a RuPaul pun here. That was amazing as they had the final three and they're about to narrow it down. (laughs) When Ru went, Maya Iman LePage this week, you gave us little Kim, but moving forward, we're going to need to see a little more Maya. And I was like, that's such a good fucking pun. <laughs> and it's also kind of shady, you know, with the whole, yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's good. But she saves Maya and Geneva and Hershey uh, end up in the bottom two. Um, yeah. So they lip sync to Maybe You're the Problem by Ava Max. We, like, at the end, this is the first time we ever kind of, like, I... I, at least the, I remember the lip sync ended and I was like, oh, I think it's Hershey. And you were like, oh, I think it's Geneva. And then, yeah. and then it ended up being Geneva. And I was kind of shocked by that, actually. I, so I think that part of the issue was that Geneva was giving it from the very beginning and Hershey kind of wasn't at the very beginning. Mm. And then also Hershey was doing a lot of, 
her her look was working against her because it just yeah. wasn't it wasn't selling the you know how a look can really re- make or break a lip sync mm-hmm. hers broke her lip sync yeah because it was just so pedestrian i think for me like i thought the reason i leaned towards hershey was that i felt geneva relied sort of on the lip sync classics like a split and like sort of like those moments and i think like hershey did something a little different which like like doing more face work sure some of the like more footwork sort of stuff that was a little to me like my eye just gravitated to her more because of that sure i see that um but different doesn't mean better (laughs) sure and 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 that that to me i was like that's fine in a mid-tempo number to do like change it up maybe don't do all the you know what i mean but this was not the song for that in my in my view i thought this was a song to do the all out especially at the beginning of the show we're at 14 people yeah 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 you have to stand out and the way you stand out is to not do a subdued laid back lip sync right so you you gotta just balls to the wall i did like the moment where they but there's that part in the song where it's like the it's not me it's you and they both point to the end the exit yeah. <laughs> each other that was fun um but geneva ends up winning and unfortunately hershey gets eliminated very sad for hershey i did oh my god when she get, does her exit line and does the it's chocolate and they add the wow <laughs> it was so good i i cackled yeah i was i was like good on you producers that's fun um, At least they can make fun of themselves for that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, Hershey goes home. Very sad to see. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought she showed a good bit like on the yeah. show. So that was nice. Um, yeah. So that was Drag Race for this week. Really great episode. Um, excited to see the, how the rest of the season turns out. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of The Traders Season 2. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com dot 
Welcome back to A Gay and a Zimby. Let's head on over to Scotland where Dan and Parvati prove that just because you're a traitor, that doesn't mean you can trust the traitors. The Traitors, season two, new episode. This episode sent shockwaves around the reality world, I feel. Like, uh, honestly. Maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic, but like this was the first. It was so fascinating looking at social media after this episode because yeah. it started like world war three yeah. amongst like different sects of reality television right and that was like again i don't know if they thought about this in terms of like the casting process of like we talked about how much we love the way in which they built this cast in terms of taking from different sides of reality but like it gave us a great the way people were just like defending their favorites and just like you know like it was it was it was intense it was amazing though it was yeah something else um so we come back into the episode after um we we have the big cliffhanger from the last episode where poverty um doesn't know what to do with her poison chalice and she's trying to figure out some way to sort of get in there mj's not taking the glass and she's just like trying to figure out something we had thought it was going to be um bergie yeah um, that was going to take it, but no, she instead goes around. I, f- I thought for a moment she was going to give it to Dan. I don't know. Dan wouldn't drink it. I, I don't think. No, I don't think it would have been possible to give it to Dan. Yeah. I mean. Because she was taking sips from it too. Oh, was she? I couldn't remember. I think so. Because Either- she's not eligible to be killed. See, I, yeah. I I think I feel like they should have added that twist. That could have been really fun. But like so but Oh, can you imagine if that was the thing? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. they thought the whole time that it the the traders all thought that it was Ekansu the whole time and then they get to the whole casket thing and it ends up actually getting you actually poisoned yourself. Wild. Well, that's like the wild. Like, like that's some like mystery shit where it's like you actually take the wrong glass that you pour. Your, like it's it, that could have been fun. But you no, fallen for the classic blunder. Yeah, but no, she gives it to Ekansu, and she's very close to Ekansu at this point in the game. So it's like, and Poverty's like, I didn't want to do it, but like she was the only one I could think of that would drink from the glass. So it's like, yeah, you know, um, she. <laughs> I love she literally tells Poverty, "I love you. I would never think you were a traitor." Like, right after she does it. It's so weird because Ekansu, I don't know if the producers were just, like, highlighting this. Yeah. But Ekansu was so vocal about, well, you're not a traitor. And, well, I'm probably the one dying. And all of these, like, little things throughout. It's like, really? Was this you the whole show? Or were you just, like, getting a weird sixth sense? Yeah. I had some questions, and I also, I don't watch, I mean, we don't watch Love Island, because she's from Love Island UK, I believe. I think so. Um, Anyone who does watch Love Island UK, if you can let us know about Ekansu, is she supposed to be dumb? Like, <laughs> like, and I don't mean that, like, I don't mean that meanly. I'm, I got, like, at least in this edit, she kept emphasizing, like, yeah, I think I'm very, you know, um, feared in the game. Like, I think, you know, I have a lot of like, you know, I know how to suss people out. And I know, like, she kept like hype, especially in her confessionals, she kept like hyping herself up in her head. It's like, girl. Yeah. Like, part of the reason why people were so shocked she was poisoned was they were like, why poison her? What's like, the point? Like, there's nothing to, like, there's nothing to gain from it. So, like, what? Um, yeah. But it was, it was fascinating. Um, but Dan didn't even notice, like, what happened, right? He was sitting right there. Yeah. And so, like, there's still a mystery of that. Um, they all go to bed, obviously. Uh, and then, but then also just offhandedly, um, 
in the interim like transition, Allen reveals that Deontay has left the game. Just like a little three second aside, and like his now picture is crossed out, and they don't even they just kind of move on as if I like, think the produ- producers were like, "Hey, just don't talk about it." Sure, and it like we I mean the last we see of him is like him tearing up and Phaser having to wipe yeah. his tears or whatever. Apparently, he has like so, like he he's a very emo. He says he's a very emotional person. He did like interviews or whatever. Yeah, and that like it was just like him like. Maxim going home and Mark and um, I forgot who was the other one that was like the big um, who oh and Peppermint like that it just did a lot to him basically mentally and like that he, which you, you know that none of these people are dead right right well like I, the 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 people that are banished are not really banished from society they just went home sure but he like advocated so hard for Maxim to go home and then like it's a game yeah it's a game it's not that not that big of a deal um so we go into breakfast the next morning Dan and Phaedra are the first two to come in to breakfast followed by Parvati which I thought was a very interesting like I think the producers were like we need to get you guys into the room for a second so yeah. that you're on the same page before we bring everyone else well, in. Yeah, but it's also like the mixing, like you have to mix people in like their end because people come in in like sections, right? right? Whenever they come in. So it's like to have all the traders in at once and like not have anyone think that, oh, these are the traders, like is, right. you know, interesting. Poverty then joins them and they're like, so wait, did someone get poisoned? Like what happened? Because they're so out of the loop in terms of this. Poverty's like, I did end up poisoning somebody. And they're like, because and Dan had already planned out like maybe MJ maybe you know whoever but he's and then she tells him it was Ekansu. The look on fucking Phaedra's face and Phaedra with the most iconic line going, "Oh my lord, sweet baby Jesus, not Ekansu, <laughs> <laughs> not Ekansu." <laughs> <laughs> I have been quoting that so often. Phaedra has so many quotable lines this episode. It's so fucking good. And it's like, it's, it, yeah, th- it, this won't be the last. But Phaedra's like, this could be really bad for me because I literally was the only person that voted for Ekansu last fucking round table. Well, and that to me is weird, right? Like, but the, the traders would never. The traders would account for that. Right. Like, I, I've never understood the whole. Well, I voted for this person, and then they ended up dead, so now I'm a target as one of the traitors. It's like, you really think the traitors are that dumb? Yeah. I mean, you can look at it both ways, kind of. Like, because I understand, like, you also have to get people out who are maybe on your trail, right? Like, Sure, but you never do it right away. You wait a, a murder or two. Sure. Like, you can't... Yeah, it has to be out of people's heads or whatever. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, so everyone starts, uh, basically coming into the, uh, the, uh, breakfast. We start to get the idea of this dynamic that at least the house is feeling and playing out that there's these divides within the house of, again, the different shows. There's the game players, right. which are like these people from like the challenge or survivor, big brother and that stuff sort of in their own grouping. Mm-hmm. And then you have the Bravo people, which right. is, which is housewives and Shaws of sunset. Yeah. So like. They're kind of seeing that. And Janelle... Which is weird because there's a third subsect, right? Which is the outliers. So you've got your your Bachelor, your Love Island, those shows. But then you've also got John, who's not in reality TV at all. He's a politician. Right. You had, at one point, Marcus, who was technically on Housewives, but he's just the famous person's son. He's not actually a personality. 
And uh, there was one more. Who, who's the other person that's not really fitting in those categories? Yeah, but and and so, but while well, you look that up, CT is also saying oh, Deontay. Deontay, yeah, CT is also saying like you know everybody from Bravo is still here. You know, I'm kind of sensing a little bit of a pattern in terms of that. But I would argue all the game players are still here. No one from that game major gameplay except for Bananas the first yeah. one. But everybody else is like from like a random like sort of configuration, right? right. So like. To me, like, yeah, you could say that leans towards the Bravo people. But to me, I am just so shocked, again, that the Sandras and Janelles and, like, people like that haven't thought of Dan or Parvati as threats. Yeah. And and, and in that sort of realm, they are, they're always, they're, like, they're so focused on the housewives element. Well, I think that's because a lot of, a lot of people are thinking of, they're on the same show. No, they're not. Yeah. None of these five Bravo people are right now on the same show. Now, Sheree and Phaedra were on Atlanta together, but Phaedra's not on Atlanta anymore. She hasn't been on Atlanta in a long Ph- time, and she's now on Married to Medicine. Phaedra says later, like, the only people who I have worked with is Sheree and Tamara, because I did that girls trip with Tamara once. Right. That's it. Like. And honestly, housewives aren't. Like if you if you're thinking of the stereotypes of housewives, right, and right. these Bravo people, they're cutthroat with each other. They're not going to protect themselves. You, yes, you guys are also cutthroat with each other. But to me, like the reason why I'm so confused is like if I'm thinking through your guys's logic, if I'm thinking through Dan, F- Poverty, Sandra, Janelle, and how they would play this game, right? You know the whole concept of I need shields. I need people who are going to look like bigger threats, right? Right. And so the fact that none of the rest of you are going home, I would like that. And that and that's whole Dan's point. It's like I need Sandra and Janelle and that to stay in like a little bit longer. So like I'm not the only one looked at as like this major threat in terms of reputation. Right? Hell, that was the reason that Parvati was picked to be the third traitor. Right. So it's like, why aren't you factoring in the idea that, like, that could be the thought process? Yeah. You know? And I understand the thought process of, like, they probably threw a random per Like, you want someone a little, if you're picking traders, right? You want someone a little rogue, right? Possibly, like, maybe not experienced in it. But to me, like, go for the people who, like, you know. Well, and not to mention the fact that housewives are cutthroat, but they're cutthroat in in a way that's I still have to be on the show with these people. Nobody wins or loses. Yeah. As opposed to with the gamers, like y'all are fighting to win a prize. Y'all are fighting to cut people out of the ability to win, which is what this show is. Right. So again, why are you turning on the housewives when you're more suited to this sort of gameplay? Yeah. So, again, more people are coming in for breakfast. And then we're down to three, right? It's and the, then and yeah. then walks in. And the and I good on Phaedra and and all, well, and all the traders for just like not breaking cuz it's like what the fuck? Why is she here? Okay, but also Parvati did 100% break. Well, oh, well, we'll talk to, about poverty. Let's talk briefly about poverty's faces, which are taking the internet by storm. She really just needs reading glasses I, or something. Like, get you know, do you have like astigmatism or something? Like, because she's squinting constantly. 
It's all those years under the uh, Fijian sun, Something, I guess. Yeah, bad, it's bad for your eyesight. Um, but so it's down to like MJ and John. So our thought process in there is like maybe somebody grabbed the cup beforehand and poverty didn't know and like, yeah. you know, whatever. But then MJ and John walk in and they're like, what? the hell so no one got killed like i was like are they because deontay went are they not like reversing it or whatever but then alan comes in and explains someone has been poisoned but it's a you're not gonna like it's a long stay it's it's a timed poison essentially right so they're not gonna die until later right i thought this was weird like when do you get advance notice of a poison sure I kind of feel like he you have no ability to like expunge it. You have no ability to like clean out your right. system. Right. I just kind of wish that it was more of a at, when we got to the to the actual challenge. Like they could have disguised it in a way throughout the challenge until you got to the final three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once everybody got in the coffins. And it was like, oh, by the way, one of you was poisoned. Or, yeah, 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 something. Like, let it draw out a little bit. Right. Like, the reason there wasn't a murder tonight, or last night, is because there's a murder right here, right now. Yeah. Well, and I thought they, I mean, they played up the, they wanted the traders to sort of act. Like, they had to act in a certain way. Like, they were going, that there was a possibility that they could have died. Yeah. So, like, you know. Also, it it is rough having to look your victim in the face oh. after the fact. Because yeah. usually as the trader, you get to write somebody's name on a piece of paper, you know, send it off with production, and then that's it. You never have to see that person again. Right. you got to spend all day with this bitch. It's, yeah. <laughs> Poverty was talking about that, how it's like, oh, God. Um, but so Alan tells them essentially that they're doing a few, that they have a challenge still, and that by the end of that challenge, someone right. will die. Um, Alan leaves them. Peter immediately goes, wait, so was like anyone given a drink or something? This was the confusing part to me. And this is why I asked for Love Island UK fans. Is Ekansu dumb? Yeah. Because like she didn't even think that poverty gave her the drink. Right. That didn't cross. It didn't cross her brain at all. Not even like, like even towards when, cause there gets reaches a point during the challenge where she thinks that she's the one that's poisoned. Right. Right. But she doesn't even be like, Hey guys, I think it was poverty. Like she gave me this drink like last night. Like, right. Like what the fuck? Like, like I, it, in my brain, it was like telling them specifically that they were poisoned. Yeah. Was a little bit too heavy-handed, I think, by production. But it ended up not mattering because Ekatsu was stupid. Yeah. It was like, you really tipped your hand too much. But she was blind to it, so I guess it's fine. But, like, don't do that. Right. <laughs> like, you almost threw your traitors under the bus. Sure. Uh, Tamara, oh my god, Tamara and Kevin are getting into it. Like, like they're just like spatting with each other because Kevin is eating with his mouth open and annoys the fuck out of Tamara. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, do your kids do that? <laughs> like, it's it, it. I love that that stuff then plays into stupid shit that plays into the roundtables right away later. So dumb. Um, Larsa is still convinced that she thinks the traitor is this like alpha male essentially. Which again, I mean, I would argue Dan is an alpha in a certain way, like not in the traditional sense, but like, right. She's like 
I I appreciated Larsa having a thought process. They said in the because they do like a post mortem thing where they talk to the eliminated people and they, Larsa people were acting as though Larsa like was just throwing out random names. I don't think she was. I actually think she had a thought process that was like you know adjacent to correct. Yeah, like I think it was somewhat. Div- I, she was at least here's the thing. She was thinking about the 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 banishments and the murders, right? Right. She, she was factoring those things into her head, which I think is an important part of this game. Right. And I think not everyone in this game has been doing that. Right. Um. So and then Janelle and Trishelle are talking at one point. They both think Ekansu is the traitor. <laughs> which, which as soon as they were Wild. as soon as they were discussing that name, I'm like, great. Like, <laughs> you know, it's gonna you know lead to a great sort of like egg on your face moment but they basically like she was being too loud about i want to get traitors out like at you know the night before or whatever which i mean that finally you're starting to use like actual evidence to point towards someone instead of their personality traits yeah again it's like but they're so focused on like the like Finding finding a moment where someone's too vocal, right, and is trying to lead right. the group a certain direction, right, and they're pouncing on that. Meanwhile, Dan and Poverty and Phaedra are just quiet the whole. They're really quiet, like like for the most part, and like they don't factor that in. But also, they don't factor the fact in that by pointing fingers at people for pointing fingers at people means that fingers are going to get pointed at you, right? Like. You're doing what you're accusing them of doing as a traitor trait. You're also doing that. Yeah. So I don't... What? (laughs) So then, yeah. And so then this is where the episode kind of turns because Dan is then talking to Poverty. And they're basically discussing that if we're going to cut anyone first, it needs to be Phaedra. Like, like, if we need to essentially... if, If the trail gets on us, we need to throw Phaedra under the bus. And I get that because Phaedra's if the if Phaedra stays in this game to the end, she wins. Right, they made period. that point. Like she's the one that has the least op- abil- abil- um, opportunity of being detected, and I do agree with that. Yeah, I was saying it last week. Like she has that ability to sort of like move about normal, whether lying or not, and right. it's, it's there's no difference really. Right, and she's over the top dramatic. Anyways, so she can do that and still have those fun reaction moments that you maybe would attribute to a traitor in someone else. Yeah. But from her, that's just Phaedra. But here's the problem. It's like when you're trying, when you're a traitor trying to get out another traitor on this show, right? You need to do it quick. And it needs to come in a surprise. Right. Like, like. Because they can't, I mean, the rule is that one, if you get banished and you're a traitor, you can't reveal who the traitors are and, and right. all that stuff. Like, it's set into the rules. But, like, you need to give an opportunity in which for that traitor to not cut you first. And so, like, it has to be in such a short window. And I actually think Dan and Poverty fucked this up a lot. Yeah. In terms of, like, thinking that they can do this over, like, a lengthier period of time. Yeah. And, you know, spoiler, they target Larsa to try to get to Phaedra. And, like, that's not how you do it. Like, that, that's, it's, yeah. it, you're leaving too much space in between. Um, they all head out to the front of the castle. And Alan is fully dressed in black. This, this was, like, this is my moment to be the campiest motherfucker on the goddamn planet. Uh, oh, there's, this whole thing was fabulous. There's black horses and, like, you know, the black buggy, like, behind them. And they're doing a full funeral possession. possession 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 that's what i meant um no one's getting possessed 
Uh, well, <laughs> well um, and so basically they will have to answer questions along the way of the path, and uh, those questions will then eliminate certain people of who is clearly not being poisoned, um, and it gets to the point until they can determine who the person is that is being poisoned. Um, and if they do that, they put 25000 in the bank. Um, it's just, so, and it's just so he like takes every moment to just sort of like build it with the procession and like they're walking next to each other. And like the, like I said, the big thing is that the traders don't break or don't give any impression that they're not scared or any of that. Um, Phaedra says, this is my expertise. I love a good funeral. And I'm like, it literally fucking is like, she, yeah. it's so perfect. <laughs> like that this was Phaedra's episode. Um, so the first question is like who was born in the same year and they have to all discuss it to sort of narrow it down when Sandra fucking says they're a confessional because her and Larsa were born in the same year and she's like I mean I was really surprised that me and Larsa are born in the same year she looks at least 10 to 12 years older than me bitch where (laughs) I I I mean like Larsa stopped aging ten years ago. Sure, but else I mean, it's it's hard to tell now with her new face. Like, that, well, that's what I mean. So, but it's definitely a, a younger face at the right. very least. Like, I don't like. Does Sandra mean? Well, I have braces now, so I feel like I look like a teenager. I know, right? The braces are weird. Also, that you know, like the bump that was on her head. She said on some interview that during the graveyard challenge, she like ran into a gravestone or something and busted her head open. Wow. Yeah, this is why Sandra doesn't get physical in these challenges. Like, right. If anyone who's watched Survivor, like you know, she doesn't have the opportunity to sit out. I guess this time. Um, they asked the question of like who, the question is like, who, uh, did bananas trust the most? And they assume CT and Trishel because they're both from the challenge. And right. so that makes the most sense. CT be like, if it me and Trishel are not the right answer, he deserved to die. <laughs> I am sad that we didn't get to see more of their feud. Like the CT bananas, like frenemy feud. Yeah. I did show you, um, cause you haven't watched the challenge at all. And, and you don't have that verse in CT. I did show you the banana backpack moment. Wild. And you were, and you were like, I, well, I was like, this is why people consider him hot. <laughs> like wild. Like, that man like amped himself up to the point of a raging bull and just, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just creatine and testosterone. It's like, and like what the fuck is flowing through your veins right now i don't know i don't want to know but i'm terrified and oddly turned on yeah um it gets down to poverty mj and ekansu as the final three and ekansu immediately turns to the carriage and goes thank you for poisoning me guys like fully convinced that she's getting poisoned now and trishel thinks that she's overacting intentionally and that this is like a tactic or whatever yeah again gonna swerve on them um, she was like, I can feel the poison. <laughs> like, just, again, she's very performative and sort of like dr- dramatic. I can see. So yeah. I, I would be interested to see more, but they get to the final stop and there's three coffins, uh, oh, three open coffins and a plot duck. <laughs> the fact that they, I, I kind of wish they buried one of them alive only for like a moment, like dig them out, like put some dirt on top of them. Don't bury them the whole way. They did last season. Right. So it's like, you know, give them a little bit of a scare. I don't know. Um, but they basically lay in the coffins and they eat and there's a pile of black roses and each person has to pick the one of the three they think is the one poison. And if the majority gets it right, then they win the money essentially. 
everyone puts their flowers on MJ. I'm I'm slightly confused of why they were so convinced it was MJ. I think it's because MJ out of the three of them would have been the biggest threat. She has spoken up the most. Well, of the and three. she was one of the targets, so it's not out of like MJ was on their list of people to take out. Yeah. So I mean, it makes sense, right? And it's like the like, and Dan and poverty, and and well, Dan and Phaedra have to be like, do we try to sway them a certain way to like be like you're on the wrong path, like get the money? I don't think so. But they're like, it's it's not worth it. At the no, end because the they would have added themselves, right? Um, so they it reveals that it's Ekansu. Everyone is shocked and like befuddled by it. Um, they quote unquote bury Ekansu, which she's not, just standing over to the side. She's she not in that coffin. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so pay, and also the, not only that they thought MJ was the one poisoned. Once they reveal that Ekansu is the one that was poisoned, Peter is now convinced that means that MJ is the traitor. Right. Well, I could get that. Like if someone's such an ov- obvious target and it's not them and it's someone who clearly shouldn't have been a target that is that the person that's dead instead. Right. I'm going Oh no, I guess I guess MJ has to be the traitor. There's no way that she wasn't the one targeted. So if she wasn't the one targeted, she's the one doing the targeting. But also like is she the only is she the only one they thought was the one poison out of everyone or just of those final 3? Because if it was of everyone, well, well, sorry, if it was just of those final 3, do they think that the traitors like crafted the questions in which to eliminate like like that was the producers of the show. Yeah. So it's like the fact that MJ got to the end and then wasn't the one poisoned doesn't mean anything if there were other options in your mind of people you thought could be a traitor. Yeah. I again, I do wish that there was more uh elements of the mole in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, they have a separate pot that they're putting money into. And they have to like steal money out of during the challenges and all. You know, I just I think there's some tweaking to this game that could happen that could make it even more engaging. But right. that's just me. Um, everyone's discussing it back at the castle, like what the hell just happened. Dan is telling like a group of them, like, yeah, there was like some heat on Ekansu, so like, why get rid of her? Like Dan is like talking again, very lightly talking, like not a lot of like discussion happening on Dan's end. Um, Lars is talking to a bunch of the women about how again she thinks it's a really strong man that it's an alpha, and that's we got to take somebody like that out. Sandra talks about Cassandra's at the table when Lars is saying this that sandra's basically playing the middle between the game players and the housewives she's like being close enough to the housewives and then you know and this is where we really get to see sandra in full effect she was a little timid the first three episodes but now she's like i said like weaving through those two groupings Mm -hmm. to try to like get you know just transfer information as much as she can and, and figure that out um Meanwhile, as that's happening, Poverty's talking with, like, Bergy and Janelle and a couple others, and she throws out Lars's name as an option that they're discussing. She goes, I mean, like, the only reason to not murder MJ is if they're working with her. So, you know, I would think that Lars that makes the most sense because of the last roundtable. And then Poverty says, and also, like, in terms of someone performing, because I know that that's been discussed, they perform every day on Housewives. And this is where... Poverty didn't realize what was awaiting her after the show was aired. Like, like, and well, and on the round table, right? But like, especially after this, this, because this really, this is what 
put people in their camps of like, no, I'm a Housewives fan or I'm a, a reality competition fan. Which is funny because we are both. Yeah. Right? Like we, you know, lo- as much as we don't watch the U.S. Big Brother, we do love the U.K. Big Brother. You know, we love Survivor, you know, that sort of thing. But we also love Housewives. Clearly, most of this podcast is centered on Bravo you know, shows. So we get that side of it as well. It's like, I could see both sides of it. I adore poverty. But when she said that, I was like, fuck you, poverty. Like, I got so defensive. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you kind of have to because that is so much of the opinion out in the world yeah. right? that reality shows are scripted. But it's like, sure. Do I think that maybe well, f- people have like producery f- mindsets and do... Sure, well, but I also think that this is mostly real life. At this point, she's only saying they're performing. She goes further later at the round table. Right. But, like, here, I'm like, yeah, I get it that people perform. Like, I like people, like, again, but people perform on Big Brother. There's people who come on to Big Brother to be, like, these, like, right. live, larger-than-life people and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, there's a, it's, a, it's all the same, I would say, in certain regards. Um, Larsa is basically like, guys, we can all like agree that like at least one of the traders is a man. So like, there's less men in this game at this point. So we can like literally narrow, let's target a man and try to narrow it down. She literally takes the women to the board to like, sort of like, I don't think it's this person. Kevin, I think she's like, Kevin's not smart enough for that. (laughs) Larsa was like, I, I think like it was, I'd like to see her rallying the votes at least, or like attempting to rally the votes. Right. I just, again... She was way smarter at this game than I thought. Yes. Um, But I I still think the he's not smart enough for that is a dumb reason. It's her ego a little bit. But it's like, again, nobody is deciding for themselves whether they are the traitor. Like, they don't get sorted by some, like, magical thing that, like immediately assesses them and says, you are the most traitorous person. You so you're like going to be a traitor. Yeah. Right. It's not, we don't have the sorting hat from Harry Potter. That's not what this is. We, but also isn't Alan kind of the sorting hat? Kind of. <laughs> it's very fabulous. Um, but we just have producers going, yeah, this person would be entertaining. I need them to really grasp onto that as the reason that, someone could be a traitor who would be, who would make the most television, the best television show. And I think that if someone were to latch onto that, it's going to be Tamara or or Janelle. Those are the two that I really think that would pick up on that sort of, Oh wait, we're making a TV show. Well, I think that's partly why she, why Tamara went after John too. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, you get the weird UK, like house of commons guy as a traitor. Cause why not? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I think you have to, you have to have that in the back of your mind. I agree. And the people that I think are capable of thinking of that are Tamara and Janelle. Yeah. And I honestly, I want Tamara to step up and be a little bit more active. I agree. Because I think she, she has such a good potential to get activated in this game, but she's just not there yet. Right. Not quite. I think this kind of round the, at the round table, if Phaedra has, hadn't been so present in that argument, I think Tamara would have been 
the bigger person there. But I, but... Think, I think a fire has been lit under Tamara's ass a little yeah. bit because of who was being targeted. Yeah. Um, Lars is like, narrows it down to like, I think it's either Dan or it's CT. And she leans towards CT because she's like, he's more of an alpha male type. And so he would want the stronger men to go out or whatever. But then later at the round table, she uses literally the opposite thought process. Kind of. To come to the same conclusion. It was like, okay, well, um, you are the biggest alpha male, so you're going to want to get rid of the other alpha males. But also, Kevin, you're the least alpha male, so you would want to get rid of the other alpha males. Sure. That um, doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, Sandra immediately runs this to Dan and, C- and Kevin to tell them to go. They, they're going after CT to go after Larsa, basically. Yeah. Um, and then Parvati basically talks about the goal going into this roundtable is to break up the housewives, which, yeah, again, again I think it's a... I get it, but a bad move in terms of like, you're going to, she did not, I don't think she realized Phaedra was the wrath that Phaedra was going to have from her. Yeah. I actually think she thought she could get to the turret later and reason with Phaedra and like, like she's stupid enough. Like, I think they genuinely thought she doesn't know anything about these type of games. She's never done like one of these reality shows where it's like a competition thing. We like, she's been following Dan's lead the whole time. We can convince her like, no, I was doing it to like, you know, cause you know, you have to have your name slightly out there, but not fully out there because if you're too far in the back, people will assume of you. You know what I mean? They thought they could mind trick her. But what they don't realize is that Phaedra has been playing housewives. Like they play the challenge shows. 1000%. Like the whole time. Yeah. So like, I need you to understand Phaedra as a character, as a human, like you could do a dissertation on Phaedra parts. Yeah. Like I just, uh, there's so much there. There's so much depth and breadth that you really need to understand that before trying to come for her. Yeah. They get to the round table. Janelle starts everything off. She goes, can I speak? I really feel that we have to go off, you know, that the person that was poisoned ate something or they drank something. You know, that's because they also don't even know how the poison system really worked, you know, necessarily. Janelle's like, then decides to bring up, how Larsa at the breakfast after Marcus got killed cheers to everybody, which is like kind of loose. I, I, I was like, what is Janelle talking about? Like connecting the two. But I guess she kind of thought like the poisoning could happen whenever. And she maybe, I think Janelle was thinking like, maybe it was like our drinks were already laid out. There was a, there was poison in one of them. So Larsa commanding us to drink was to get everyone to drink. And the person being poisoned drink their cop i'm assuming i mean i guess maybe and she, larsa but this is again and then again not we talk about not knowing with phaedra not knowing with larsa larsa goes i toast everyone i said cheers to marcus cheers to everyone janelle goes you know i just think that the cheers is weird and larsa goes you're telling me that's weird cheers i think you're weird <laughs> I think how selfish you are is weird. Someone tweeted it. Larsa treated these round tables like they were fucking reunions. Yeah. And that's like a like, yeah. f- fantastic way to go about it. Maybe not strategically. She, well, I think, she, I don't think Larsa is bad here at this round table. She makes bold moves necessarily, yes. but like maybe doesn't know how to temper. She knows how to attack somebody with accusations, but maybe not to like convince other people. Right. Um, there's a second step kind of Larsa goes, you think I would ever murder my boyfriend? And Peter goes, no one's going to suspect you murdering Marcus. So it's actually brilliant to do if you're a traitor. 
yes, but again, you don't know Larsa. Right. Larsa wouldn't do that. Right. Larsa would never fucking do that. Right. Uh, traitor or not. Larsa goes, look, all the guys that have been murdered are big guys that we need. You know, who's the person doing all of this? Look at the profile. It's got to be some kind of big guy. CT goes, why does it have to be a big guy? And then Larsa goes, it's an alpha male. And I think that you're the biggest alpha male at the table. And so her and CT are going to like, yeah, like it was just fantastic how this like whole thing operated. Um, Peter then goes, why then get Ekansu out? And Larsa goes, because he didn't need her. Like that, it that made, which I actually think is kind of a smart pitch. Like that, like why aren't we looking at the idea that Ekansu was just disposable? That it was just a random thing to like throw us off and like sort of confuse us. Right. But if the the point was to get rid of competitors, then why would you start getting rid of also people that you don't need? Right. Like I, it, it's it's you. It's again that opposite logic trying to get to the same solution but using different like you can't use addition to subtract that's not how this works right larsa goes look you have a lot of people fooled you're an actor you told me that you're an actor do i think you're the head of the snake yes and ct goes i think you're giving me too much credit which i was like that is kind of true actually because i mean ct doesn't know what he's doing at this point like this isn't his game no um uh kevin then goes look i don't like the strong man alpha theory like it it doesn't make any sense and then mj jumps in and goes but like it would fit if it were you right like because you were an alpha male like and mj like so now mj jumps in and then kevin like really tears into mj and goes why would you think i'm so insecure that i'd be threatened by another man like and like cuts her off and goes if i were a traitor i'd get rid of you first i find you highly annoying (laughs) It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, but also you leave in the people that are annoying because they cause chaos. I.E. Kate Chastain last season. Yeah. And and also when he said that, Phaedra's face was like, oh, he got her good. Because she knows a good read. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot. We're getting Kate back this week. Is it this coming week? I think so. I hope so. I mean, it's been teased, but like, well, yeah. So uh, excited. Tamara, so excited. Tamara then says that it felt like Kevin was overacting at the funeral, basically. And mm. so, again, Tamara, like, she picks up on small things. It's not like she can't really, like, get the narrative together. And, but that's how she's always been. <laughs> sure. Poverty then goes, look, the performance aspect has been on my mind, which is why, like, I think it might be Kevin. But who has the capacity to perform this part? It's actors. And I think Housewives as well. And the Phaedra's face when she says that, it's like, oh, you done fucked up, bitch. Like, you done fucked up. And then it's, you can't really hear it because Larsa jumps in. But Poverty then goes, I mean, because you guys get scripts. And that's where I'm like, no. No. You can't say that. That's not how this works. No. Larsa goes, we don't act, my friend. We live our lives. And Poverty goes, but it's performance as well. That part I'll agree with. There is a certain performance. There is a certain, like, over-dramatization, right? You have to give an over-the-top reaction to things because that's what reads better on camera. It's what reads better to, you know, further the drama of the season. But, bitch, they do not get fucking scripts. But you know what what you're doing when you equate them to actors and, like, that sort of vibe. Phaedra then goes off. Phaedra goes... And I actually think this worked in a sense. Like, oh, th- yeah. this in a weird way worked because poverty and Phaedra fighting also helps take the cover off them in certain ways. Right. 
Phaedra goes, don't come for the housewives, honey. We are not a game. And uh, Poverty goes, you know, it appeared to me that, you know, the way that you would guys would, like, gather and sort of walk around the house. And so, like, they're basically like, yeah, we all see that you guys, like, latch on to each other. And so it seems that you are aligned and, and maybe working But that's because together. they have a, a similar experience. Of course they're going to gather to each other because right. they, it, it, they have something in common. They're part of a sisterhood. Yeah. Pop Phaedra then goes, the only person I've worked with in this house is Tamara and Sheree. Everybody else is a stranger. We are not killing anyone. So don't do the housewives thing, honey. Don't do that, poverty. <laughs> Bitch, you know when somebody, especially when a black woman accents every syllable, <laughs> you are in trouble and your ass is getting lit on fire. Right. I just, I... I said a little prayer for Parvati because I love her and I knew she was about to get her ass handed to her. Yeah. So they go through the votes. They they all write down on their uh, pads or whatever. Can we talk about Sheree? I <laughs> like to have a different stuff, view of her I, uh, here than you do. Well, it's, we'll get to it also later, but like, there's like votes on Larsa, obviously like Larsa's voting for CT. There's a little on Kevin. Sheree then just goes, I voted for John <laughs> out of nowhere. And she just goes, I don't think he's the traitor. I just needed more time. What? I, okay. So the whole point of this is the last, you know, like three episodes, three. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the fourth one. Right. Um, the last three episodes she has been pushed into a corner convinced to vote for someone that she didn't necessarily agree with and it was always wrong so what she was doing here was saying i refuse to be a part of banishing someone that i don't believe is a traitor i have not put enough time and energy into each of these people to really believe in my heart that this person is it so i'm throwing a vote on a person that's not going to get any other votes because i am abstaining from participating in this bullshit i guess you could that's look at it what that she's way. doing i guess you can look at it that way it's just like i don't think that like if you voted with the majority and you were wrong that's going to be held against you unless you're leading the discussion in the round that, that's not what it is it's a guilt thing sure. she's tired of being part of she's an empath <laughs> I guess. No, but she was, you know how she was convinced to vote for Peppermint when she didn't want to, you know, and she felt like shit after that. Like she didn't want to vote for, um, uh, Maxim, Maxim, but she did. And that person went home and she's angry because they keep getting it wrong. And she's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. But the thing is, so yeah. And also I want to know, Phaedra uh, votes for Kevin, but she writes Kelvin. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but and it's funny because she writes kelvin and then the next time they cut to her to her chalkboard the l has been oh wi- wait, I, wiped didn't, off. I didn't notice that that's amazing so like there's the white smudge but it's clearly not the clear l anymore <laughs> uh, but larsa gets the most votes um and it ends up being banished she gets to the front of the table and reveals that she's a faithful. Everyone's fucking annoyed. And, but that, but my point with the charade thing, she then goes, don't act surprised. You guys are killing me. You guys are killing me. And Trishel at one point goes, I didn't like my vote. And Sheree goes, so why'd you vote? It's like, Sheree, you can't like abstain. But that's and what then, she's like, saying. She's like, if you are not 
if you're not on board with this person, don't vote for them. Sure, I get it. But like, it- don't put in, don't go with the herd. Throw something somewhere that you know is not going to cause any damage so that the person that goes home is actually something that most people agree on. Yeah, I get that. Um, so, and and then at this point, Tamara does vocalize the housewives need to stick together. She's vocalizes that at the table, which I found really interesting. Um, so I think Tamara has an idea of like, now she's kind of, you know, she's got to figure it out soon. So, right. And which is funny because I think that all this did was make, make everybody go, well, we don't want to go after the housewives again, which gives Phaedra more cover. Yeah. Sure, they're discussing in the uh, castle afterwards in sort of their own cliques. And Sheree's like, I think the gamers want to break up the Bravo clique. And, you know, that's the goal. And she's thinking that they should target Janelle because she seems to be leading that. Um, I hope not because I love Janelle. I know. But it's also like mostly, we know most of the faithfuls are going to go. Like the way this game works. Um, Trishel and CT are bonding at one point talking about like what they think about like the Bravo people and how that, you know, could be the, the, where the traitor is. Um, But it's also sort of rebuilding some of their stuff from the challenge because they had, you know, they fought and sort of had a rocky relationship. And so they're seemingly reforming that. Um, oh my God. So then we go to the turret meeting, which I was like, this is going to be oh so great. Oh my God. I hope, I was like, I hope this is just going to be amazing. And it's just so great. They get, they're in their robes. They get by the, the cauldron or whatever. They take the robes off and Phaedra's just looking directly at poverty and goes, that wasn't cool. And like, <laughs> like also poverty's like shocked look on her face. It, like it was, it was like the shocked Pokemon or the po- Pikachu meme. He's just like, oh, what? Well, Phaedra, for, for Phaedra to be like, for you to throw me under the bus, and Dan goes, wait, what happened? I was like, fuck off, Dan. You also, know exactly what happened. Even if you weren't involved in the planning of that bullshit, you were at the round table. Yeah, it's such horseshit. Phaedra goes, when you do stuff like that, it brings attention to me. And then she goes, no one likes you, Poverty. Everyone says you're a fucking traitor. We can be in this game together, but you're going to play fair. And if you don't, you have more problems than the faithfuls. <laughs> Nobody likes you. Poverty. That's... Well, but I love how she threw in the, nobody likes you. Everyone thinks you're a traitor. Right. So she threw in that little bit of a lie, right? To make her paranoid. Yeah. 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 So not only is Phaedra just angry and ranting, she's also, She's smart in her rant, right? She's not just ranting to express the anger. She's also actively game playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she ends by going, I'm playing very fair with you. So don't do that to me. And then she turns to Dan and goes, both of you. And I was like, good. Like, I, Oh, like, she clocked it was both of the asses. Yeah, I, I was like, good on her. Like, again, she's really fucking smart. Like, yeah. she's so fucking smart. And I think they really thought they could just play her like a fucking fiddle. I saw some people being like, this was a great moment from Phaedra, but it's actually bad strategy. I don't agree. I don't think so. I think that w- they were going to cut. They were already preparing to cut her. At that point, you had to be like, you had to put the fear of God in them. Yeah. And you had to be like, absolutely fucking not. Yeah. I'm on to your shit. Do not try that shit again. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they're going to have to be smarter next time. But like, you know, at least it's like you've laid your foot down. You're not, you're not this passive fawn. And I, and I appreciate it. I think, 
I honestly kind of predict that Parvati will get banished here in the next episode or two. Mm-hmm. Um, because Phaedra's not going to let that slide. No. And she's going to make an example of her. And they already know, and you already have a group of housewives wanting, and, and that t- contingent, willing to go after game players. And if, if, if Phaedra wants, she can point them in the right direction. Which, again, this will give Phaedra more cover, right? Yeah. If they get rid of Parvati, who is the person who named the housewives, yeah. not only does that give uh, Phaedra cover, it gives Tamara and Sheree cover as well. Yeah. And kind of MJ, because MJ's still in that Bravo click. Right. So, like, she can do a lot if she can get Parvati's name out there. Yeah. I I think, again, I think Phaedra is playing such a good game. And I really think, like, she could win this whole thing. Who was the, who was the one that, like, incorrectly clocked that... Um, Alan's arm might have touched Parvati at the beginning. Larsa. Oh, damn. I know, right? Because she could have used that per. You know, oh, no, that's great. That's great, actually. Right. Because then you use that argument. That, Larsa, that's why they got Larsa out. That's why she got Larsa out. That's why she came so strong for her at the round table. Parvati is a traitor. We have to get her out. Yeah. Use that argument like railroad that shit or get Tamra plant it in Tamra and let Tamra railroad that shit. Cause Tamra will, Tamra will run with it. Um, she just needs the idea to be planted. Right. So if she can do that, they can turn people on Parvati and get her out this week. Yeah. Speaking of Larsa, I told you about the interview that she did with entertainment weekly after her elimination, where she basically said that Janelle targeted her because she wanted more screen time. <laughs> Which is such a fucking Larsa thing to say. Yeah. And, and I am so excited because they're, they're doing reunions for traders like they yeah. do with the Bravo stuff. And I'm, I, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. Well, it's going to be great because Andy does those. Yeah. Like he did the last season. Which is so. the smartest thing they could have ever fucking done. Oh, yeah. Like it's just like, ah, oh, I love this show. I love, love, love this show. I also was, um, this, I think this week we got. A like there was a news article somewhere, or maybe not a news article, but you know there was an article that came out about the fact that on the traders they don't stay in the castle. Oh, I thought you had already known this. No, I had no clue. Yeah, so they're they in like a separate building. They stay in a at a hotel by the by the airport, and they are bussed but, in every morning and every night. Yeah. So number one, how does that work? So they take everybody back to the hotels and then secretly bring the traders back to the castle maybe and then how does that work in the morning do they bring people over one by one and then let groups of people in i bet they bring them over in separate cars like they do like in the way in which they enter the um, the groups as they enter okay so basically probably just as they are ready or no they probably group them they they probably group them intentionally yeah but yeah um yeah they yeah they don't have enough people to fit in that or they don't have enough space in that castle to fit like 20 people that castle is huge yeah but it's not like yeah i'm I'm sure a lot of it is like also like decorative and not like built out for like bedrooms and stuff no that's a real castle they didn't make this castle for anything i don't think they made the castle i think it's a real castle but i think like the bedroom space and like i guess you could fit multiple beds in a room but like that doesn't work with like the traders right 
Um, yeah, fun fact. Um, yeah, but I, I like I said, I, just, I such a fucking good show. Yeah, yeah, it's literally on after we record this, so like we get to go home and we get to watch it, and it's yeah. just like we're we're just so excited. Um, yeah, so that was the traders for this week. Uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Married to Medicine. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And I'm the Riz. And, you you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again and Zimby. Let's head on down to Atlanta where Eugene and the other husbands have a come to Jesus meeting with Kemma on the subject of feminism on Married to Medicine. Married to Medicine for this week. Uh, I would say, I mean, here's the thing. I think it's a kind of a lighter episode-ish. I've seen some people being like it's a little dull right now on Married to Medicine. I can kind of get that vibe to a sense, but I think it's going to be picking up like in the coming weeks, it seems. Like, however, this, like, Simone Jackie stuff seems to start with this, like, oh, right. trip back to, was Arrow, like, Arrowhead or whatever it's called? Um, 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 no, not like Arrowhead. Something. Um, it's it, one of it's the wherever, like, the person that Curtis was. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, mm, <laughs> we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we, I, so we start the episode really interesting. Simone and Toy are going out to lunch together at this like Mexican restaurant. But can I also say, as a fucking, oh, okay, I don't know if this reviled you as much as I did. As a fucking Texan, <laughs> this fucking Mexican restaurant they go to, they get fucking guacamole that has they put pomegranate on top of the guacamole. I'm done. Stop it. Stop Wild. it. Your bougie ass fucking like. 
you know, up your own ass bullshit needs to stop. That pomegranates have no place on guacamole. I just need to do that as a sidebar. Uh, I know it's not important. It's not that difficult. It's literally like avocado, some sort of crema something. Mm -hmm. And usually it's like pico de gallo mixed in. Yeah. A little lime juice, maybe some garlic in there. That's all you need. It's not that difficult. You don't need to be adding fruit. In what world does fruit, other than like tomato, but it's technically a fruit. It's more of a, it's more considered a vegetable. Somewhere, but like, somewhere Monica's mom, Linda, is like, yeah, fruit. It's a dessert. Why not? <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. That but, bitch. <laughs> um, so, Simone, oh, there's this moment also where Simone like is tasting Toya's like margarita or whatever. She goes, are you a germaphobe? Because, you know, I know you like your house so fucking clean all the time. Toya goes, it's from my mom. You know, when I grew up, she had us using bleach and ammonia at the same time. And Simone's face was like, what? what? That, that's called mustard gas. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you did a fuck. Like, and you're, you're, you're alive. You're not a ghost right now. She's literally like, there would be fumes. And she'd be like, get in that crevice. <laughs> <laughs> it will literally strip your like throat lighting. Yeah. That's why you're. That's why Toy is a little screwy this episode. That's, I guess. Um, well, this episode. Well, this, uh, these last couple episodes, I would say. I, I, I would say this lifetime. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. You, now that I think about it. Um, when has she not been at least a little screwy? Yeah. Toya says that she knows she brings up like, you know, I need to do a better job at Leo talking to Eugene about stuff. Simone goes, you need a nicer way to do it. Um, and they flash back uh-huh. to the date where, where she was so fucked up in that date. The, the, I just, I, she, he needs to be appreciated. That man is so good to her. Yeah. Ugh. You know, do I, Toya makes like a comment, like, do I have to like keep changing, you know, for how many years, you know, down the line? And, and Simone Lear goes, it's called evolving. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. Like, yes. Sometimes your life is not exactly like it was 15 years ago, Toya. Yeah. She, she, Simone goes, it can't be one person, you know, get stuck into like a pattern. And Toya goes, you know, I think Eugene is stuck. Last time we talked, he wasn't getting what I was saying at all. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think he was getting it. He was absolutely getting it. Because from the beginning, you said, I want you to do something special for me. And then he went out and planned something special and you turned your nose up at because it. Because it wasn't something specifically she wanted. Which, by the way, if you're... She keeps saying, like, I need him to plan stuff, right? I need him to be the planner. I can't be the one to plan dates. But if you're telling him... Spe- like, you basically want to tell him, like, specific places or activities or stuff. Like, curating it to such a degree. At that point, you're planning the date. Yeah. Like, just because he's the one that makes the reservations doesn't mean, like, like what? Like, I don't know what you want, Toya. Yeah. He, well, she wants him to reach into her mind and figure out what date she wants with all the specifics and then to go execute that. Right. Without it, her ever telling him what it's going to be. And, and that's impossible. That's not how that works. Yeah. Well, but impossible things are happening every day. Oh, God. Uh, don't give her don't give her that hope <laughs> simone then goes eugene thinks that when he plans something and toya cuts her off and goes he told you and simone Lear goes he told cecil now shut your mouth <laughs> like, <laughs> i love simone i love simone and toya's friendship it's really fun i feel they really can just like call each other out in a way that's fun um simone goes he's scared to plan things because you're so critical and then she brings up last year, you know, for your birthday, you went to South Carolina. 
Toy Amelia goes, that shit was horrible. Like yelling at this in this restaurant, by the way, over the uh, this birthday trip in South Carolina. And then she goes, he takes me to South Carolina because he said it was on our bucket list. We get there. He puts me in some horse driven carriage where they give me the history. I've always told him I hate history. I cheated in history. And here we are learning about the history of some place I don't give a fuck about. Flashback to her saying he used to, you know, take, he enlightens me. He used to enlighten me and do all of these things. It's like, bitch, that's what that was. But also, like, you're you're critiquing one element of this like birthday trip to South Carolina where you happen to be on a horse driven carriage, and the the person like is telling you fact. Like, why are you? If you're that nitpicky, like you don't deserve dates. Well, the thing is, is that Toya is the kind of person that if it's not perfect, it's awful. Right. It doesn't matter if ninety nine point nine percent of this is exactly as she would want it. If there was point one percent that irritated her in any way, that's all that she can fixate on. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. Simone says her confessional, Toria, do you even hear yourself? <laughs> Which is such, she's like, this man loves you and is trying to do things for you and you're unappreciative is what it is. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Um, Simone, Simone basically tells her to cut him some slack and she's like, what happened to fake until you make it? And Toria goes, after 15 years, fuck faking it. And I'm like, but I don't think you ever faked it. Like, I mean, I agree with that sentiment, but also that's for when he's fucking up. He ain't fucking up. Right. It's like, you can't, you're, it's, it's. At this point, he's the one faking it. Right. It's really off-putting for her to be like, yeah, you know, I, yeah. Um, we then go to Heavenly at her practice, um, and she's doing an appointment with T.S. Madison, which Bitch. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Get T.S. Madison on a Bravo show. I know Honestly. Said, I know we said it before, She, but she actually would be fucking great. And we really, if, you know, I would love it on a Housewives, but like to get that representation on Housewives would be a yes. big, it would be a genuinely big fucking deal. It, it really would. And she, and she could hold her own in a way yes. that is divorced to the fact of her being trans. Right. Like, it, it's like, yeah, it's amazing. Um, T.S. makes a joke of, you're the only woman I let go in my mouth like you do. <laughs> Which is great. They've built, like, a bond because they've done their, like, you know, podcasts and shows and stuff like that together. And Heavenly talks a lot about, you know, you know, there are a lot of things that, you know, we're ignorant to and don't really know about, you know, and she's like, you know, like when I met you, I thought that you were like a full fledged, like woman. She doesn't know how to say the word. Yeah. And she's like, so like a cisgendered woman and Heavenly goes, I mean, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) which you were saying like, while Heavenly is not perfect, like, like, and it's, it's, you're never going to get somebody of Heavenly's background and sort of like, well, age and like stuff like that heavenly is the bravo version of tiffany pollard her heart's there yeah her language is not there yet she does use the term well but this i can't remember does ts use the term transsexual because she well that's what ts stands stands for so ts named herself when transsexual was the term right and transsexual was always for someone who has undergone gender reassignment and is technically still the appropriate term even though nobody uses it because it has been weaponized right just like the r slur is still technically the proper medical term it's still not someone something that anyone uses because it has been weaponized right so it yes 
TS does still stand for transsexual, yeah, but I she just named herself when that was correct and didn't want to rename herself, which I get. Yeah. Bitch work. <laughs> and so she talks about to Heavenly. She's like, you know, what pisses me off the most is when black people don't want to respect it. When we as black people are the most disrespected thing in the United States of America. Preach. And so fucking true. And like she talks about like it's just important for, you know, people to see me because like it's a, you know, people are afraid of stuff they don't understand, which is so true. Mm-hmm. She's like, I didn't get to see trans people in media and stuff like that. And look how I turned out. So it's like, yeah, you know, like. Honestly, I th- I'm pretty sure that T.S. Madison was my first exposure to trans people. Oh, what was my first exposure? I don't know if it was T.S. Madison. I- it was either T.S. Madison or it was, um, it was either T.S. Madison or it was the character that Willem played on. Um, oh, uh, um, um, oh God, what's that show? Where she played the the um, the the hooker, yeah, the trans hooker, even um, whichever the show is, it it's the one that's set in Miami. It's about the plastic surgeons. I was I nip tuck nip tuck. I was about to say the only the if I think about it, the only t- the first time I ever saw anything about a transgender person was the when remember when the pregnant man was a big story in like two thousand seven, yeah, like and that was like in every like major like that was the only time where like that was ever presented like yes but they presented that story at least in my exposure of it they presented that story in such a progressive way because they never i don't remember them uh, talking about him being trans they just they talked about him being a man right they would mention it but like it would be like you know the the story was just more about the phenomenon in, right. in a way, and it was almost it was almost a great way to introduce it in the sense of like, are you going to be mean to this pregnant person who, like, right? You know what I mean? Like it's it's like a beautiful thing, so it's like right. you can't make it like, you know, right? Like, like it, it was that that's the, the, the unless I can remember anything beforehand. That's like my first initial memory of yeah. seeing a trans person and like. Um, recognizing that <laughs> heavenly jokes with TS after she finishes. I mean, you always make me feel like my titties aren't big enough. What size bra you wear? And TS goes, the 46 triple D <laughs> heavenly goes, you're an H <laughs> and TS goes, that's right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but also them things ain't anywhere near a D ma'am. Yeah, ma'am. I know she said triple D, but that's still a D <laughs> that ain't no D. Yeah. That mm, that's H for huge. <laughs> um, okay, so then we go to we gotta get these joint scenes. We see Jackie having an appointment with uh, one of our patients, Chica. Oh lord! Here and then goes. another uh, one of Simone uh, with a patient, Rashida. And so because uh, the, the topics are like somewhat similar, um, Chica is a breast cancer survivor, and Jackie is getting like her sort of reading of like her cholesterol. She's at like two seventy two when she should be at. Shouldn't be over 199. And so Jackie talks about sort of like how that can lead to things like heart disease. And that's become one of the leading causes of death for black women, um, which is true. Like, and I think that's a vital, like. Sure, but she's an OB. So my issue is why are you talking about overall health mm-hmm. when you're an OBGYN? Yeah. Your focus should be on how those sorts of things affect fertility. Sure. Like, they should be on how they affect the health of your reproductive system. But beyond that, you should not be lecturing someone on their weight, 
on their cholesterol, on their anything like that. And that's where I thought there was a big difference in like the Jackie scene and the Simone scene, yeah. right? Jackie literally like you could see almost a look of disgust hit her face when she's talking to her patient. Yeah. And it's, it's and Jackie's really... had, and Jackie's had that issue in the past. So he's definitely made weight loss her mission. Yes. And like even going back to season 2, like there were like some you know. Right. And, like, she's talking about, you need to do this about your weight, and I'm going to prescribe Ozempic, right? Right. Like, you're an OBGYN. You should not be prescribing Ozempic. That that is confusing. That is not a fertility drug. Right. Why are you prescribing this? This is not appropriate, okay, for Jackie. And then over here, I thought the conversation with Simone was great because she was like, Hey, so you've been on the semiglutides, the Ozempics, the Wagovi, the all of those things. Yeah. But now you're wanting to start fertility. You're wanting to start trying to have a child. Great. You need to go off of that. Right. And you need to do it slowly, and it needs to be off for six months before you really try to have it. So, like, she's talking in terms of fertility. She's talking about in terms of her role as the OBGYN. And you were also happy that Simone was, when Simone was the only one, to acknowledge the controversy of Ozempic. Yes. And, like, the, like, why it's a problem that it's being prescribed. Like, well, and she talked about it real, right? She was like, yeah, this is a diabetic drug. Yeah. This is a drug for people who are diabetic who struggle with weight as part of the diabetes, which is a huge thing, right? So, yeah, I'm glad that that got finally brought up on Bravo because it never has been. It's been presented as a weight loss drug, which is part of the issue. And then Simone literally lays out, people are using it as a weight loss drug, and I think that's a problem when we have diabetic people who can't get this drug to treat their diabetes. Sure. So like, thank you. And you can still say it's effective. It can be important in terms of, and she even said, if I needed to lose weight again, I would go on Ozempic. Yeah. She clearly lays that out. Like she's being honest about it, but she's also like, this is the issue. This is the controversy. And then she also addressed her patient, not in terms of her weight, not in terms of anything that didn't have to do with her job as the OBGYN. Yeah. Like, I I just, my respect for Jackie plummeted here, and my respect for Simone really skyrocketed. It was just... And so, yeah, and Simone also talks about, because uh, Rashid is over 40, so if you're wanting to get pregnant, right. then you're also at a high risk of a miscarriage and right. for chromosome abnormalities. And then also that talks about, like, but you also have to have this conversation. Like, I advise you to have this conversation with your husband about, you know, game plan in terms of that stuff because of the Georgia abortion law. Right. Which is the heartbeat bill, which is only goes up to basically six weeks. Right. Which is bullshit. Insane. Like, utterly insane. Like, all these bills are insane, but, like, this one in particular is utterly insane. Um, and Simone tells her, like, you know, and, well, Rashida's like, yeah, I've, I mean, I've had the conversation with him. I told him that yeah, I would abort if that, you know, if it comes a case, if I have to travel outside the state and, you know, I, that's my decision that I'm not, if this is a case where it's a fetal abnormality and it's, you know, I'm not going to carry the child. And right. we've already had that discussion. And someone's like, look, I'm pro-choice. You know, that's what I would do, but I would never push that on my patient. So, and which is, which I thought was also very important because I think it was important to show 
the world. Right. Because there's also that negative perception from, like, pro-life people that, like, doctors are uh, encouraging women to have abortions. They're, like, pushing them to, like, you know, make these decisions when they don't have to, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not the fucking case. Right. Like, Like, pro-choice does not mean pro-abortion. Yeah. Like, like it means that abortion is a option. Like, they're just saying that it's not, like... Carrying a child to term, having a miscarriage instead of an abortion, like all those things are not the only options. Right. You know, we also have the option to say, hey, this is going to put you at risk. We should go ahead and take care of this before that. And it's actually very, it's the right thing of a doctor to give a full perspective to a patient in terms of risks, in terms of, you know, possibilities of certain things. Right. And information is not a bad thing and information like there's no like there's no ulterior motive to giving a patient the all the information available to them in which to make a smart decision right it's yeah it's crazy it's just utterly crazy hashtag pro-choice hashtag women's rights hashtag reproductive rights hashtag bodily anatomy you know hashtags don't work on podcasts they do they work they're perfect They got us in the algorithm, right? That's well, how this yeah, works? Sure. <laughs> um, we then see Toya and Eugene taking the boys uh, to the orthodontist. Uh, Toya uh, makes a comment. She's like, Ashton, you said that girls don't like smart kids, only jocks, right? And Eugene goes, I mean, did I play football or basketball? And Ashton goes, you played track and you got lucky. <laughs> Read your father. But also, like, no. Like, it, no. <laughs> no. No. No in what sense? Uh, he did not get lucky. Toya I did. think he did. Well, well, they both. Here's the thing. Toy is not a great place right now in our minds, but like, I think they both got lucky. I still love their relationship when they put their bullshit aside. Like, right. But to categorize, got lucky means you didn't deserve this person. Sure. She right? married a doctor. She married a doctor who is, has an amazing heart, who is, Great to look at. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... I, where are his flaws? Yeah. Uh, they're talking in the confessional about, like, getting together, like, in, when they were in school and stuff like that. Toya goes, I mean, my boyfriend was a senior at another school. I was a freshman. And Eugene goes, sounds like statutory rape. <laughs> and, and Toya literally goes, you know, my mom thought it was. <laughs> it's like, we, like, okay, we're taking this into a weird place. Like, All right. Well... Um, Toya uh, or Eugene tells them, oh, so you and me and my mom, me, me and my mom, me and your mom are dating now, tells this to the boys. And Toya goes, he took me to the butcher (laughs) and like trying to like convince. And he goes, I didn't take her to the butcher. I took her to a restaurant. That's different. Like, we're not going to like cast it a certain way. Um, and even the kids were like, yeah, that's different. (laughs) Yeah. That's very different. And then I, I get so annoyed with it because Eugene and the confessional is like, look, if we're – because the whole idea of like make, who should make the dates and who should um, you know plan them. Eugene says to his confessional, like, if we were in it like 50-50 and then Toya goes, can you give birth to one of our children? And Eugene goes, no. And Toya goes, then it's not 50-50. And I think that's bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Eugene can't help his anatomy. Yeah. Like I, I get that during the pregnancy and – and all of those things, like... That period he should be attending to you, don't get me wrong. Right. But, like, your kids... They, 
how many years removed are we from you having been pregnant? I know, right? You're going to use that the rest of your life? Come on. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. It's, You're going to be 63 going, who bore our children? Yeah, come on. Um, yeah, she's going to carry that to the grave. Um, so we then see Sweet Tea and Gregory going uh, to another meeting with Dr. Davis to sort of uh, deal with her endometriosis. Um, she basically tells the, uh, her that it's time for surgery at this point because of the cyst and how th- that they're in- encroaching the lining of the uterus. And that is when you can lead to like right. more permanent infertility. And like that could be a major issue. Um, she also explains, I didn't like that you can get like a spontaneous pregnancy, like after the surgery, typically, like if you are having sex afterwards, but that like, we need like the scars to heal. So you can't have sex for like, we advise that you can't have sex for at least like six months. Right. And, like, that's the part where, like, they're kind of like, oh, shit. Like, just from a – I guess just from a general standpoint as well, which I guess. Because she literally says her confessional, I mean, I don't want to wait, like, six months for us to try to have a baby. And I don't want to keep you from the punani, which I was like, oh, God. You you know that you, just because you're married doesn't mean you can't use a condom, Right. Sure, but condoms still work after you're married, right? But they don't want to have. But it's. I don't think it's simply the like, like the the birthing. uh, Like, there's also the penetrative, like sort of like. Well, but his unless he is the biggest dick in the world, he's not getting up to her uterus. I mean, does it accustom for that small voice? Like, I guess. (laughs) But like the, like the issue is that because fertility for her is so high after that surgery, you don't want to risk getting pregnant and the uterus lining and the, all of the equipment and all of that stuff up there is not healed enough to sustain a pregnancy. Right. That's the issue. It's not like they're not doing surgery like in her vaginal walls. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she can still, like, have sex. The issue is they don't want to risk a pregnancy. Sure. So, like, wear condoms. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, and he seen, he uh, he still seems pretty supportive. He's just like, I can I can go through whatever you want. Just I just want you to be healthy and healed. Which like, he's saying all the right things. He's, he is saying all the right things, and I applaud him for that. Sure. Um, we then see Simone and Cecil going to the boys. The, the bar is so low for men. It really is. It's buried below the ground, and some men still aren't clearing. And it. trust me, we'll get to it later. Where, Damn, like, oh Jesus. Um, Simone and Cecil are visiting the boys at their apartment and the boys are cooking dinner for them and all that. Um, they literally full on cheers with champagne in the confessional that the boys are out of the house and Cecil has this tiny little party hat on, <laughs> which I thought was a really funny look. Um, oh God. And then Simone fucking brings the black light to like go through the fucking Not house. This. this was embarrassing. I felt bad. Like you don't, you gave them condoms. A You're not allowed them. to be upset if they use them. Well, and then she also says any type of semen or blood. I was like, blood? Do you think they murdered somebody in this place? Like, uh, Maybe they like it rough. <laughs> Those are children. So, uh, yeah. they're, they're, they're not children. They are, in fact, adults. Well, sure. Yeah. They are still Simone's children. But they are not children. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Simone uh, basically is like, well, the next step is them for them to have bachelor degrees in their hands and then to build their own families. And, right. you know, 
It's a, you know, next building block. And it was sweet. Like, I like, you know, I like, I, it was fun seeing like the flashbacks from like six or seven years ago and seeing how the boys have grown. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's really cute. Um, uh, we then go to Jackie doing her maternal mortality PSA, uh, that she's shooting with all the ladies, um, which, like, yeah, not awkward at all. Uh, <laughs> Just powering through the season, man. Um, also, we we both noted Jackie's confessional look, where she's got the she's got the doctor's coat on because that's what all the doctors uh, do in, on the show. But with these leather boots and like this like leather bustier like, top. it's like a full dress. Yeah, it's like a full leather dress with leather boots that are like knee high. Mm-hmm. It's like. Where are you going after this? Well, that's the thing. And it's like, I I also realize I feel really bad for the doctors on this show because they never get to show out in the confessionals. Right. Like, they they always have to have the lab coats on. and it's You like, could put the doctor in the lower thirds. I need to take this coat off. Right. And it's like, it's we're, we're on season 10. We know who the doctors are. Yeah. Like, you know. Or just wear a stethoscope. That's fine. That's enough. Yeah. It's an it's a accessory, like a necklace. Um, yeah. Um, Simone makes a comment of just knowing that Jackie is contributing to the solution is amazing. And I'm just like, God, oh let's boy. get to the, let's get to the reunion where we can finally address this. Let's fast forward past this scene. Can we <laughs> like, this is awkward. Yeah. Uh, heavenly can't get her lines as she's reading off the teleprompter. She keeps tripping up on maternal mortality, which is a alliterative phrase that can be very hard. I get that. Well, I think part of it is that giant fucking spotlight in their eyes while they're trying to read off the prompter. Oh, to- like the whole time, like they're fr- like when they get to the final product, everyone is like sort of like in like PSA mode, like perfect. Heavenly's like looking off to the side, squinting the whole time. Like she, like she's not like focused. <laughs> but my favorite part of this was was Heavenly says a lot. Okay, but you're not angry now. <laughs> Jackie goes because Jackie goes now do it with emotion. She goes I was very emotional. What are you talking about? <laughs> And Jack, that yeah, and then Jackie goes. Now you're you're not mad at the people. <laughs> like back it up a little bit. <laughs> Simone says her confessional about Heavenly. She's got a doctorate. She can read, right? But I guess this is just way different than sitting in her closet looking in a camera talking shit for her social media. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's true. You give her, and but honestly, I would love to see that PSA. Just say, don't give Heavenly a script and say, just go off about maternal mortality for like a minute. <laughs> That could get wild. I'd love to see it. That could get wild. Maybe let her go off for like a couple minutes and then edit the good bits. Sure. Yeah. And it just uh, make it about the anger of the issue. You know what I mean? And she's yeah. just being like, you bitch ass doctors and like, you know, doing her heavenly thing. It's, yeah. Um, heavenly. Okay. So Toy and Sweet Tea then arrive in heaven. He's like, well, some of y'all might not be able to read well, so they want you to practice <laughs> after she just like bombed this. <laughs> and then everybody else pretty much does it in one take. <laughs> Toya goes, I'm very eloquent in my speech. And she grabs, Heavenly grabs her script and goes, fucking give me that. <laughs> <laughs> Toya's like, okay, let's get it done and goes sits, sits in the chair. And Simone goes, no, Toya, I'm next. And she goes, Jackie just said that I'm next. And then Toya 
then sits down in the chair fully. Someone goes, no, not when I get here on time. Climb on down. I'm going to need you to get the head out of the chair. And they're starting to fight. And Toya's like, Jackie, get your friend. And Phaedra's walking in like, what the fuck is going on? And Phaedra says to her confessional, I thought the housewives was dangerous. It's the doctors, apparently. <laughs> oh, so we're going to reference it now? Yeah. Apparently. Now we're going to talk about housewives? And I will say, oh, and Simone said, go over there with your breast hanging out on national TV at Toya. It's a PSA. It's not like this is Dateline. What is what? But like I they I remember I just had just remembered as this was happening. I was like, "Oh, they're not going to have a repeat because remember when Jackie did her breast cancer uh calendar shoot or photo shoot or whatever yeah. and how they ruined that with their fighting and Jackie, she was so mad. Get the hell out. Like I've never been so disrespected. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I I need to see Piss Jackie again, like, every once in a while. We get it in, like, every blue moon. Yeah. You know. But Jackie tells him, like, listen, y'all late? Me and Simone aren't playing because you until you see a mother die, it's serious. And Toya goes, I got it. And then she's like, I don't want to repeat. Like, <laughs> Toya's like, I've been there. I've done that. We good. Yeah. Um, the men then we see going to a cigar club for, like, a guy's night. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, it, it starts, I mean, again, there's a lot of, like, backwards-ass discussion. It starts backwards because, like, I think Cecil orders, like, a Manhattan. And Greg goes, now, you know, a Manhattan, you know, it comes in, like, a standard glass. And Cecil, <laughs> Cecil goes, I mean, it's in, like, a martini glass. And Greg goes, I mean, it's a man's drink, though, right? Eugene goes, if a man drinks it, it's a man's drink. Yes. Like, thank you. Eugene. I love Eugene is the fucking best husband on Bravo. Like straight up. Period. And also, Eugene, Greg, with that tiny ass voice, like I said, you talking about what a man's drink is. Shut up. Like, come on. It's giving very uh, Lord Farquaad from Shrek, like compensating. Yeah, it's so stupid. Um, so Kema then decides to talk about him and Alicia uh, and sort of, you know, their dynamic. Kemma goes, you know, Alicia's a dentist first. And, you know, I won't say she hung up her hat, but she put it to the side. And then he goes, I mean, how do you guys feel about your wife's job? And and Curtis goes, no, how do you feel about that? Curtis was like, you're not getting us on camera saying shit about our wives. Right. You're going to dig your own grave. Dig it. <laughs> it's like we've been here for 10 years. We know what the assignment is. And especially Curtis. Curtis yeah. knows when to shut the fuck up. Yep. Like Curtis and Cecil have both learned that language or that uh, lesson very, very hard. Yeah. Kama goes, you know, I'm from the old school, you know, born in Nigeria. Where I'm from, if your woman is not listening to you, it makes you look like a weak man. <laughs> And I'm like, here we fucking go. I wish I, we saw them talk about this in confessionals, like in the lead up. And we hadn't really seen Kema like have these discussions. Right. So I thought it was interesting. I, I almost wonder what would happen if we were just blindsided by this. I almost think we needed that prep because I feel like if we were blindsided, I would just not know how to handle myself about a man talking like this. Yeah. It's just. Oh, boy. Cecil says it is confessional with Simone. Kemma goes, you know, in when it comes to his beliefs in marriage. And I get where he's coming from. I have a brother that's also a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> and Simone does her, ha ha, like laughing. <laughs> um, Kemma goes, I live in America. I'd love it here. That's great. But women have been running things for too long. I refuse to cut my nut sacks off. Nutsacks. Nutsacks. He has two, apparently. And Damon goes, 
that sounds like everyone here doesn't have nuts. Like, also, when did women take over? Well, I just, I, I miss I, that. I'd, I'd like to pinpoint what year he thinks women took over, and at what point he thinks women have gotten equal treatment in this society. You know when? You know when that woman became president? And oh, never! Like, oh, that, that didn't happen. I mean, I I know that um, uh, Vice President Harris technically took the reins of the presidency. For like a day. Sure. And that was a big deal. But that was enough for Kemma. <laughs> Apparently that was enough for Kemma. Feminism is done now. Yeah. He then says, I think it's time for men to start taking back a little bit of control. And then he goes, you don't think so? And the guys are just like, again, you're not going to get us on camera. Fucking saying like, yeah, men are men's rights. Am I right? Like, <laughs> I just, I... I, just, I need to understand what's happening in that man's head. Uh, well, uh, Eugene then says, you know, women still don't get paid as much as men. They still don't get respected as much. Women in this country aren't doing as well as men at all. <laughs> like, thank you, Eugene. And then he goes, true. All I'm saying is men just need to have a little bit of a voice again. We don't have a voice anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to even say. It's like... I Oh. You don't have you what wait like what are you talking about like it's like Alicia get, you didn't need to bring this man on this show no and I get and here's the thing he's talking about marriage like he's not talking necessarily about the world so to speak I mean again you need to work on this with your wife because at this point like it's not about us like you know but also she's professed to be very subservient to him. Well, she's saying she had to learn that. She said that because she had a single mother, like, raise her, that she was very, also very, like, self-sufficient and had to sort of, like, retrain that when getting with Kemma. Oh, oh, so she has lowered herself to his standard but li- Like, literally by definition. So, like... Absolutely not. Throw this man to the curb. Yeah. Kemma goes, there has to be someone leading. Like, everyone can't lead together. <laughs> and uh, Number one, then, you then, literally can. Number two, it don't have to be you. Right. It's like, how about the woman then lead? <laughs> like, so, like, why does it? Like, anyways. But then Damon goes, look, you guys can lead your household. I have no disagreement. But you're still a young guy. And then Damon says, is confessional with Heavenly. Like, I agree with some of what Kemma says, but I have my own way of doing it. And I, and I actually agree. And I do think Damon controls that household, but in a way that's not. Yeah. Cause we've seen him put his foot down before with Heavenly. Yeah. Heaven, and, and she respects that when he does, because he doesn't do it often. And Heavenly even says, if you're the king and everybody knows you're the king, you don't have to continue to say it. Right, daddy? Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> But that's so true. Like Damon is a, I, I, I don't like, I, I typically don't like gendered stereotypes, right? but like Damon is a man's man and Damon does lead his household and, you know, and all that, but he doesn't have to brag about it. He doesn't have to like, you know, he's not so, obs- he leads by example. Right. Right. And that's, that's fine. And he doesn't do it in a way that walks over heavenly or makes her reduce who she is. Right. To fit within his box of who she should be. She is who she is. And the only time that he ever steps into that is if it's going to cause a huge problem. Yeah. So he's really looking out for her and it's not really about him. 
like if you want to have any sort of the man is in charge, that's the only way that that can work and be healthy. Right. Yeah. And it, like I said, and Damon's like, do what you want to do in your household. Like, I, like I'm not going to judge anyone else's household. If the dynamic is mutual between both right. parties, which if, I don't think it is. I don't think I it don't is. I don't think it's consensual. I don't think Alicia loves being in that role. I don't think Alicia is happy in that role. I think she has really tried to squish herself down to be in his definition of what she should be. And I really hope that she like realizes that because we've seen that sort of thing before like Contessa and her husband had some of those same issues too yeah, to a certain extent and we saw what it did to their marriage yeah like so yeah it needs like you got to nip this shit in the bud right you got to talk about it and communicate and you need to both be at the table right right and i say that on Kevin's end. I, and yeah, he he's clearly at the table and if you need to cut off the dead bud you cut off the dead bud and grow something else sure I mean, they have young kids. I would hope they can work it out. But I would hope so, too. But uh, mm, we're not doing that in 2024. Sure. <laughs> yes. It's it's 2024. It, like, you know, wise up. Like, yeah. Um, so that was Married to Medicine for the week. I thought, I, I know I said in the offset that it was a light episode. It was a light episode, but it's still a really good episode. I think yeah. the, the dynamics of the marriages really do power the, these shows, I think, in a way that oh, other Bravo, in the way that other Bravo shows don't. And, like, I think, like, that helps some of these episodes that might be a little lighter in content. Yeah. All right. Let's get into these tops and bottoms. We've got drag race. We've got traders. We've got married to medicine. What you thinking, babe? Um, I'll start with my bottom uh, for this episode. I'm going to give it to plain Jane over mm-hmm. on drag race. The more we kind of discuss, I going into this episode recording. I didn't really think of this as my bottom, but like the more we discussed it. Yeah. I don't know if plain Jane is like the most honest in this role. And yeah. like, it's a little ham-fisted, um, you know. I just think and, – and I'm still to an extent glad that someone is trying to do it. But, like, yeah, I just wish it would come from maybe a more honest place and, like, something that was a little more substantial. And I maybe would have appreciated it on a different season where you had not anyone else doing this role. Right. I think everyone is very charismatic and, and catty and bitchy this season that you didn't, you didn't need someone trying this hard to be that role. Yeah. Um. So I'll give that to Plain Jane. My top, I got to give it to Phaedra. This, yeah. like, the, God, this was a really great just episode of reality TV, and she was really the center as to why it was so good. Like she, like it. This in ep- terms of traitors. In terms of traitors, and like this was like the reason of why the Phaedra Renaissance needed to happen. A moment like this, like it was just like really well done across the board. I again, I love how it just shook up. Th- all the reality world in yeah. terms of like, you know, dialogue and stuff like that. Yeah. Don't mess with Phaedra. Cause she, you know, is coming to play when it comes, when you provoke her in that way. So yeah, really love Phaedra on traders this episode. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? My bottom has to go to Kemma. It's kind of, yeah. yeah, it's just, it, I, I almost gave it to Jackie. Almost. But I it's, thought not really about ja- it. it's more the situation outside of the show with Jackie. Like, well, no, I mean, well, like, you hated the, you're that, right, you hated that the, scene about the Ozempic. I thought she really stepped outside of her role and what she should be doing. And I thought that was really inappropriate. Yeah, you're right. But Kevin, I just, you can't, you, you just, I don't understand being that misogynistic in this day and age. It's just, yeah, really I, out of place. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I, I get that he is brought up in a certain, 
in a certain environment and a certain culture. But uh, at some point, it is it is your responsibility to learn better and do better. And he, at this big age, there's no point. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Like, he he has no excuse for it anymore. Like, he is a an entire-ass adult. Like, get your shit together. Like, I don't. And Alicia clearly has had these conversations with him before. And he has really just kind of forced her into a role that she's not comfortable with. Right. And I think that's really what pisses me off here because at a certain point, like Jackie's patients can go somewhere else if they're not comfortable with the way that they're tre- like Alicia's at a marriage. Like it, she can't just, it's very difficult at this point with young children to just walk. And so you gotta be extra like on your game. Right. Well, I mean, but it, it's more about, she doesn't really have an option. Yeah. She's kind of stuck there. And, um, she really just, he, he's got to do better by her. I agree. Uh, and there's just no excuse for it. My top for the week, um, oddly enough, it, it's going to go to Sandra. Okay. I really thought she decided to step out of the shadows this week. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, she really, uh, because Sandra has a, and if you know her from any of the time she's been on reality television, she's very good at laying back and playing the long game. She stays off people's radars for the first, usually the first half of a competition and really steps in, in the second half and really starts puppet mastering at that point. She puppet masters from the beginning. Don't get me wrong. Day one, first step on the Island or in the castle, whatever. But she really doesn't become overt with it until mid game, which we have now gotten to in traders. Um, And she made this big move behind the scenes that the people she's working with are aware of the big move. But nobody else really is. Like, they saw that she changed her vote from what she was professing with other people. But they don't really see that she's the one that got everyone together on her side of the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they they need to keep an eye out on Sandra. And they needed to keep an eye out from day one with Sandra. Because it's fucking Sandra. Every time she's on our screens, people underestimate her. Yeah. And they always fucking regret it. At the end of the day, they always regret it. This woman has won Survivor two times. Two times. When are people going to learn that she's not someone to be taken lightly? Yeah. She's not someone to underestimate. Like, I, fine, I get getting bananas out, number one, but Sandra should have been your kill, number two. That was dumb, especially when you have Dan and Parvati both, like, y'all know about her. Right. I get why Phaedra maybe doesn't know about her, but there's no excuse why Dan and Parvati have not been targeting this bitch. She is one of the best game players to ever do the damn thing. And she's she's activated this week. And I think she's just going to get more activated. And if they're not careful, she could win. 
Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.